Hello, and Merry Christmas, and Happy Holidays, and welcome to the Socially Distanced Podcast. I am your host, Al Manorino, the managing editor of thepopbreak.com. With me, as always, because it's very festive, Bill Bodkin, the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. Bill, what's up? Uh, you know, I'm doing good. Uh, having uh, an almond milk eggnog right now, considerably less sugar in it. I'll be switching over to the, to the Irish a little bit later, but uh, I'm doing good. 40 episodes, by the way. This is the season Whoa. finale, guys. Spoilers, we didn't, we didn't tell anyone. It's the season finale. Season finale. We decided to end it a week early because uh, we're both really tired. Um, so, yeah, this is the season finale. And um, what better way to end this illustrious 10-month run we've had than by bringing back the people who've literally been on the podcast the most. First, uh, coming to us, the first international guest ever. He's coming to us live from lockdown in the UK, Mr. Ken Grandpierre. Merry Christmas. I hope you have your Christmas crown and Christmas crackers ready uh, for a few days from now. I absolutely do. Thanks for having me. It is as gray, rainy, and depressing as you would assume it would be here. Oh, it's like a Jane Austen novel just with some tinsel and holly. Um, and joining us from the West Coast would be the killer one-two combination of the PopRick.com's music editor, Kat Manos, and one of the most illustriously named men of the world, Cole Rothrocker, returning <laughs> after uh, a little bit of an absence, mm. although he did have that great cameo earlier in this series. Uh, guys, welcome back. Merry Christmas for the first one in your new home. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Today is also... The winter solstice, which I didn't realize until it was too late. But apparently, do, do you see that there is like some um, like celestial event happening with like Saturn and? I heard people Jupiter? getting. I heard people getting superpowers today. That's what I heard. Yeah. A certain type of people. I yeah. Wonder. So Ken, can mm. you confirm? Can you <laughs> confirm? Uh, all I could confirm is that I woke up and I definitely felt like I could jump a little bit higher and I could significantly jump higher already. So everyone should watch out. Oh, wow. who knew Ken's skills would be crazy air. I didn't understand. That's what that meme was all about. I didn't either. That's what I this podcast not... is about. Breaking the memes down. I, I thought the date was very <laughs> arbitrary, but I guess it's because it's the winter solstice. Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah. I saw, I saw a lot of people making me like memes about, uh, that Disney Channel original movie, Up, Up, and Away, that featured a black family that were superheroes, um, who were amazing, despite the fact that aluminum foil was their weakness. Oh, God, I remember that. Jesus. God, they better never like, attack my mom. <laughs> the host of the podcast needs to turn his microphone on. I remember that, too. And then, on, and then uh, Cole, you tweeted about it. I swear to God, when you tweeted about this today, I had like, I like jumped back in time when you talked about legitimately talked about clock stoppers. The movie. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember that fucking movie? I liked that movie when I was younger. I had great taste. Yeah, you might not now. There's no. there's actually not a lot of clock stopping, guys. No. no. There's very little. It was like a shitty spike. I feel yeah. bad for that lead actor because he was in like a bunch of things, like a bunch of mediocre yeah. things. Swim um, fan, swim fan. That was a big swim movie. Fan. That was that was filmed in uh, my college girlfriend's high school. Oh he my. was also in the terrible adaptation of the terrible novel of "I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell." Oh, oh. 
Oh, yeah. what was the name of that? Was it called I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember selling that book a lot. I Again, I had great taste. I liked that book when I was younger. Oh, great. Anyway. Um, You're I also do, a big uh, Opie and Anthony fan back in the day? No, I was, I was never. Uh, but uh, this is our final Mando and music episode. It's also our final episode of the season. I want to say thank yous at the end, but I want to say thank you to everyone who has listened to the podcast thus far and stuck with us during this. Um, and if people like our, you know, general reviews of things. We we may consider doing this next year because I'm very excited about WandaVision and I think uh, that deserves some reviews. And Cole's giving me the look and I think he's very excited about it as well. Yeah. Um, I do want to say before we get into our segments um, that, you know, we are a few days away from Christmas while recording this. Uh, it's probably going to be right around Christmas when we release this episode. Um, what's everyone doing to get in the holiday spirit? Uh, me personally, we just got all the ingredients and we're going to be making, uh, Christmas cookies, but baby Yoda Christmas cookies. Made them. <gasps> made them. They're awesome. I'm so excited. Uh, but, uh, what, how's, uh, Kat and Cole, how are you guys, uh, you know, getting ready for the holidays? Um, watching a lot of movies and we made gingerbread cookies, some of which are on our table over there. It's oh, not yeah, a podcast if, if Cole doesn't have a dessert. Aww. Oh, those are cute. Sneaky shapes. Um, I had to make more because Cole kept eating them. Yep, um, good. And we've been watching uh, Christmas movies despite watching Clockstoppers last night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I just saw it on HBO Max and was like, let's watch it, because I literally have wanted to see it since I was 10. Yeah, you're like, today's the day, we're doing it, and I'm like... <laughs> Today is my Christmas, guys. Cole, Cole, I had, Cole, I had the exact same experience when I was like 25, because I used to see the ads all the time, my parents never took me to see it. Yep. So I remember seeing it streaming somewhere, I was like, I'm going to watch this. And halfway through, I was like, wow, this was a terrible life decision, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. Did you make it through to the end? I did. It's a weirdly sexist movie. I mean, uh, the early 2000s were sexist, you know, generally, oh, but sure. yeah, that dude was, uh, that was a little weird. Oh, yeah. oh my god, the, the, final line, the final line of the movie? It's sexist. It was a little it's, girl? Yeah, yeah. What was the final line of the movie? Oh my god, very long story short, <laughs> Jesse Bradford has a younger sister who is really only in it to play the little sister role, but mm-hmm. it, very, very long story short, the the cl- the clock watch thing makes some people age faster. So the the actor French Stewart is playing this character, and he becomes younger. So he becomes like a teenager. Yeah, like maybe eighteen or nineteen. And the sister character meets him for the first time when he's when he's young. And what does she say? She's like, hello, gorgeous. Oh, yeah, she's like, hello, gorgeous. He's like 18, but, like, they dubbed French Stewart's voice over him, so... And she's, like, 13. I'm like, whatever they paid that girl to say that. he was a grown man. Yeah, no, 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 no. He hasn't aged well. No, Uh, not much Ken, what about you? Are you getting in the holiday spirit or the clockstopper spirit? This is Uh, now a clockstopper podcast. Because I gotta watch this movie. That's really not good. <laughs> the, last, the last several years, I viewed uh, the Christmas holiday as a time where you can completely toss out any idea of eating healthy or caring about societal uh, com- you know, expectations. So I have been eating a lot of sweets, feeling grossly sick uh, by the middle of the day, but not caring because who needs to know? Well, I guess exactly. the world knows now because I put in audio, but nah, you all know. 
Just okay. gorging away. <laughs> what about you, Bill? Uh, tomorrow we are doing, well, we're recording this on Monday night, so Tuesday we're going to do our now annual tradition of going to the PNC Bank Art Center, which is our local outdoor concert venue, and they have a whole light show, so we will be like one of probably 10,000 families doing that tomorrow, so that'll be fun. It's a really good time. You see all the lights, and you drive through it, and they play, you know, Christmas songs on the radio. It's it's a blast, you know, so... Uh, you know, getting in the spirit of that, got my Christmas tree up, and you know we're getting slowly getting through our nightmare before Christmas Advent calendar. So, only uh, <laughs> four more left. So, Santa Jack, let's hope you're on the 24th because I know a six year old is going to be pissed if it's not. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, well, let's uh, let's kick it into high gear because we haven't even like amped up and aren't really. Uh, I don't know, just generally excited to talk about this episode. And I think it's because it's the end. And, uh, you know, we have to wait a, a whole another year to, to see more episodes of The Mandalorian. Two years? Maybe. Potentially two. Potentially oh, man, two? potentially two. That's depressing. Don't say that stuff. So we just found out, because uh, John Favreau was on Good Morning America, as one is on, during the you week know? of Christmas, um, he uh, announced that... Uh, the Mandalorian season three is happening. Uh, it will be separate from something that we'll be talking about later, obviously. But uh, it is currently in pre-production, and Pedro Pascal is confirmed uh, for to return in the starring role. We don't have any other cast confirmations just yet, but that certain thing that happened at the end of the episode, which we will dive into later, is actually going to be its own separate entity. So uh, Mando season three will not be next year unless, hey, they decide just to completely mess with us like they did in this episode. What a transition. Only I would make it on the final episode of the year. Crushed it. I just crushed it. Crushed it. Next December. I'm sorry, what? I thought they said season three would be next December. Well, they, so there was a little confusion where they, they where they didn't really uh, confirm if the well, I'll just say the book of Boba Fett was actually going to be season three, or it was mm-hmm. going to be its own separate thing. And Favreau confirmed this morning they didn't want to give anything away about another property. They wanted to be that a surprise for everyone. So mm-hmm. officially confirmed that the book of Boba Fett is currently in production. We'll be ready for December 2021, not Christmas, but December, and that Mando season three is in pre-production with Pedro Pascal back in the lead. Okay. okay. Amongst Ex- nine thousand other Star Wars properties, I just—I literally can't believe it. I've been—I've had a smile on my face for like a week now because of the uh, the uh, Investor Day. Ugh, amazing, uh, but let's kick off the actual episode proper with the opening scroll uh mandalorian chapter 16 the rescue anyone else guess that by the way i was just like i literally was seeing the opening shot uh you know the opening uh title opening card. first few scenes no not even the title card no i i was gonna say it's like the uh, the cold open before the title card and i it literally is like the rescue and then it came up i was like fuck yeah Sorry, it's better, it's better than the tragedy where you're like, "Oh God, what? oh no, God, yeah. oh shit, what is happening?" I also right. didn't think that like fit with what really happened. I didn't think anything that happened was tragic. No, just like kind of upsetting. 
Yes. I love, <laughs> well, I love how the know. one who is not a kid lover thinks that a child being kidnapped is quite tragic. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like kids. <laughs> no, I was it's talking say, about me. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I wish it was called The Upsetting. That would have been like, pretty funny. The, the mild inconvenience. The mild inconvenience. All right, so the episode opens with the slave uh, with slave one opening fire on a very familiar imperial vessel on board is the empire's clone specialist dr pershing after a tense standoff pershing is taken into custody by mando and cara dune mando is off to assemble the rest of his team also knows the avengers mando and Boba Fett head to an industrial planet where they find Bo-Katan and Koska Reeves in a bar. After a tense negotiation, which includes Boba and Koska brawling, Bo-Katan agrees to join the escape, but there's a catch. She wants Moff Gideon. Mando's team using the Imperial vessel crash into Moff Gideon's light cruiser under the guise that Slave One is attacking them, which was really fun. Uh, once on board, the fire team of Bo-Katan, Cara Dune, Koska Reeves, and Fennec Shand blast their way through Stormtroopers to the bridge. Like a cakewalk move, too. They just, like, crushed it. Uh, well, again, we will get more into that later. Meanwhile, Mando sneaks into the sh- sneaks th- uh, uh, in the shadows to get to the brig where Grogu is being held. On his way, he encounters the newly activated Dark Troopers. Closing the blast door before they can all be deployed, he battles one and is able to best it using his pure Beskar staff, but, like, barely. He hit an emergency airlock, and su- which sucks the remaining troopers into deep space. Once he arrives at the brig, he meets Moff Gideon, who's waving the Darksaber over Kroku's head, which I was very depressed about. I was not happy. Man- I was not happy. Mando and Moff reach a deal. Moff can walk as long as he gives up Grogu. Moff agrees, but being the bastard he is, re- reneges on his deal and attacks Mando. Mando is able to use his spear skills in order to defeat Moth and bring him to the bridge, which bites him in the ass a little bit later. He attempts to hand the Darksaber over to Bo-Katan, but there's a catch. She has to beat Mando in combat in in order to rightfully lay claim to the Saber, and hence the throne of Mandalore. Tensions rise, but before a fight breaks out, the Dark Troopers return to the ship because they can fly in space too, it seems. They approach the bridge when a lone X-Wing is spotted on the radar. It lands and out comes motherfucking Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Luke easily eviscerates the troopers and makes his way to the bridge. He's there for Grogu, but Grogu will only leave if Mando gives him the okay. <sighs> Removing his helmet, Mando says goodbye to his sweet baby boy, and everyone in the world weeps. But wait, there's more. As Bill alluded to before, in the end credits, we've returned to Tatooine, uh, specifically Jabba the Hutt's palace, to be exact. On Jabba's throne sits a portly former right-hand man, Bib Fortuna, who is now running the Hunt Crime Syndicate. Fennec is seen coming down the, sta- uh, the stairs, killing everyone in sight and freeing a slave girl. Boba Fett comes down the stairs and executes Bib Fortuna and takes the throne for himself. The episode ends with the Book of Boba Fett coming Christmas 2021, I think December 2021. Uh, this will be the new spinoff series in the Star Wars universe produced by Favreau, Filoni, and Robert Rodriguez. It is currently in production. The Mandalorian will have its third season, which is now in pre-production, which Bill has already stated before. And Guys. I, and I wrote that, so. Woo! That's a lot. A lot going on there. I wrote all of that without looking at my computer watching this episode again. I was just like... I appreciate that, Bill. Hey, my dog was like, looking at me like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> um, guys, 
I mean, wh- where do we start? We, we, we have to start at the beginning. We, we uh, could start with how at one point while watching this episode, I just sat there and said, God damn it, Ken is right. Ken predicted pretty much everything. Yep. And I knew that he would, but I didn't think it would happen so soon. Yeah, Ken, Ken and Lucas predicted the shit out of this. Can I tell you that I, I got the Luke Skywalker cameo spoiled for me? Because I <gasps> forgot what day oh. it was because I was working so late the day before. And I like went on Twitter like I always do in the morning. I'm just like scrolling through news. And I'm like, what's trending? It's like Luke Skywalker. I'm like, fuck off. And then oh, our TV yeah. editor slash last guest from last week, Alex Marcus, was like, oh, there's an end credit. I'm like, oh. I get it. He'll be at the end credit. He's the one who hears the call. That's, you know, as usual, Bill Bodkin was very wrong. Thank God. Thank God for that. Merry Christmas to me. Yeah. Um, uh, can, we just, yeah so, can we just jump into that? I feel like that's, that's like the heart of the thing. Do we want to jump into Luke right away? Uh, um, yeah, I, I think let's let's knock that out. Because I'm going to um, start I mean, this off. Because actually, I wrote the root. You mother uh, Fletcher. Well, here's the thing. I think we should really save that for is the four strong with this one because that was the main like guest and surprise guest star. So I'm gonna, let's save that for a little bit because we do have to talk about everything. Uh, we have to talk about a lot. And uh, I want to start off with something that we were talking about um, over the course of this season. And it's something that I know Ken had strong feelings about was – Actually, no, it might have been Alex from last week, but it, talking about like the like going more deep into the lives of the the, the Empire and the, the rebellion, the actual soldiers within that. Right. We, we got a lot of Cara Dune over the last two seasons about her time uh, as someone from Alderaan and Cat uh, <laughs> did a great face expressing her dis- <laughs> dislike of Gina Carino. Um, but specifically – you know, we've learned about her time as a drop trooper. Um, she she was from Alderaan. Obviously, we, we lost Alderaan all the way back in A New Hope. Um, but we got to see a little more from the Empire perspective. And we got to see a very, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, dick. Stor- uh, I almost said Stormtrooper, too. But someone, uh, a pilot in the Empire, was talking directly to Cara Dune as uh, he had a gun to uh, Dr. Pershing's head. And said something along the lines of, like, kind of taunting her about Alderaan, but also re-emphasizing how many soldiers were lost on those bases, meaning the Death Stars. So I just want to talk about, um, and I'm going to take it to Ken first, because I feel like he he might have an opinion on this, but how do you feel about how Favreau and Filoni are kind of trying to, you know, not only expand the Star Wars universe, but expand, like, how we think of rebel and empire and jedi and sith i personally really love it because i feel all it does is add context and makes the story feel broader especially from the imperial perspective because you know if you consider that old adage of how when people do evil things they don't think they are doing evil things so it's almost like if you consider implications how do you justify a whole planet being blown up but there's a governing body that did it and it's like, oh, yeah, you tell them that the people on the planet were terrorists. Um, something that's like quite established within the films, not even in the context of just the comics and the books, but the films alone, is that um, Leia's adopted dad is one of the forefathers of the Rebellion. So considering the Rebellion are like guerrilla fighters, yeah, Jimmy Smith, Bail Organa. Considering uh, 
the rebellion or guerrilla fighters try to topple down a government, unfortunately, it would be really easy for that same government to spread propaganda after the fact that these people are just terrorists that shouldn't be taken seriously. So I feel like that's something we've always kind of seen echoes of of Star Wars, but having it said so pointedly was so helpful. And I think it also adds context with uh, the Mandalorian um, season and also this time period where, you know, we've seen so many instances where the New Republic isn't trusted to the fullest extent as you would expect. And I think it is because a lot of people would feel they had their lives upended with the Empire ending. And Moff Gideon even alludes to it in a previous episode about like how people will be begging for them to co- for the Empire to be coming back. So I like that idea that it's not as black as white as we we're always led to believe it was. I yeah, also thought this was I thought this was also kind of a, a red herring or like to put you in some sort of fear that Cara Dune might be the one to to bite it in this episode because it's just showing how emo- like just how she could be shook and she's willing to put her like engage in a situation that could end up with her getting killed. We see that later with her gun jamming. So like like she's the one most like cuz Fennec is like She's she's like a robot, so she's not gonna get killed. Or at least she's got robot abs. And like we, and then you know the two other Mandalorians, like they've got the best car, so it's a little harder for them to like get get killed. Where I I was saying it's like maybe this is a good way of putting Kara in like like oh maybe she's the one who doesn't make it out because you know she's always been I'm just gonna take the big gun and I'm just gonna go in there and just start laying waste like Rambo and she doesn't really think. A lot of the times, you know, she was a drop trooper. So she's kind of like a paratrooper where she's like kind of, I always said a caratrooper for a second. I'm sorry. It was like the obvious pun. And I was like, shit. Uh, Yes, I know. I deserve that. I mean, a hundred percent. I hate myself for the joke, but I love myself at the same time. It's, it's that, you know, she's a drop trooper, which is basically like a kamikaze type trooper. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, so I, I think it's a pretty I think it's, I thought it was like an interesting way, but like like you, like Ken was saying, like I like the fact we're adding depth and dimension to be like they are just the nameless face. They're not just the Nazis where we're just like they're the bad guys. There's no question about it. It's like we have motivation, mm-hmm. and we in that will fuel story too. Going, we're getting Rangers of the New Republic, so we don't know what what that's going to entail, and we have more with the 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 Empire's remnants leading to the the First Order. I'm just calling the Dark Order, but that's wrestling. Sorry, um, it's like. Um, yeah, so I, I found that very interesting. And that guy was such a prick. I almost felt like he should have been someone famous, kind of like the Jason Sudeikis, um, Adam Pally cameo from last finale. I'm like, mm-hmm. why is this like a famous British guy mm-hmm. being a dick right now instead of this? He looks like the other guy, but he's not, you know, yeah, it's, it's funny. <laughs> oh, shut it. Shut don't up. Oh, don't. First off, Al would have died. Al would have never made the episode. He would have died. He straight would have been a corpse. Would have been a corpse. Love Jason Statham. Um, I, you know what's funny too? Ever since the Adam Pally, um, Jason Sudeikis thing, I can't watch an episode and see someone um, that's uh, you know with the Empire without like looking for a celebrity now or listening. I can't. Daniel Craig. Like, uh, 
Yeah, Daniel Craig, yeah, too. But no, like um, the the Bosch episode is my is what I now call it. Um, <laughs> the, the heiress when we got to see Bosch in space. Um, he he surprised me so much because it wasn't announced in advance, and now I can't stop looking for them. So I think that's pretty interesting. You got that later. Uh, that you thought that. What'd you say? You got that later. Yeah, I did. I did get a surprise uh, at the end yeah. that we're obviously going to talk about. Um, but uh, I'll I'll throw it to Cat and Cole. Let's get on. Let's get a little further into the episode. Um, one thing that bothered me. And not bothered in the sense that, like, I didn't like it. I just thought it was kind of strange was when we get to see um, Mando and Boba go find Bo-Katan and um, Sasha Banks. I'm going to talk about that rocket pack assisted DDT. I'm not going to lie. I'm... I was the fucking best thing I've ever seen in my life. I well, yelled like a child. I was like a child. I guess that was uh, what I was going to say because I feel like Cat may have felt the same way. Just was that necessary? Do you think that we needed a, a, a fight sequence there? Besides it being awesome and fun and cool to see Boba Fett fight more and we get to see a little, you know, wrestling from Sasha Banks, do you think that was needed? And and I, I don't know. I just wasn't. I wasn't feeling it uh, on a second viewing. Yeah, I mean. It... It's really, really, really odd because I feel like my experience of this show, like I was very much enjoying it, watching it week to week and thinking about where it was going and everything. But then when this season ended, I was like, oh, that that's where this was going. It, it was it was all leading up to this. Oh, OK. Oh, so the the uh, Ahsoka episode was just a commercial for her spinoff and uh Boba Fett was just a commercial for his spinoff. Um, yeah, like, I I don't know. I hate to sound so um, cynical about it, but it was one of those things where it was like, oh, okay, they're, they're putting this here um, to kind of create intrigue and drop something, so then we'll be really excited for the book of Boba Fett and his adventures. Now, that's, that's a great point, because mm-hmm. I, I pose this question for you now is, if you were told that the Mandalorian had a two season order and it was going to end after the second season, mm-hmm. would you, would you feel differently? Yes. hundred percent. Yeah, I would. hundred percent. I feel I, that. Yep. I would definitely feel. And it's so funny because what was the one thing I was always bitching about on this podcast? I'm like, Oh, the pacing, they're taking their time, really doling out information. And then it's like, just the oh, way shit. you said that is just so funny. This, this storyline oh. is, like, is now over. Um, and even more so now knowing it's over, I'm like, did this, did this need to be 16 episodes? <laughs> I, I, I feel differently. Yeah, Cole, I'd love to, I'd love to get your opinion. Cause I know you're a fan of the show as well. Yeah. I love the show, even though I'm not particularly a, a star Wars person. It's that's, probably, that's surprising. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not really like, I, I love the, original one and i think all the others are ranged from bad to just fine like none of them are above fine to me the first one i think is a good and important movie the first one being a new hope yeah i just call it star wars yeah because you you and everybody else dad who was 
alive in 77 and saw it in theater. Yeah. 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 I just, I don't like all that <laughs> stuff they did to it later. Um, but yeah, but the Mandalorian is by far my favorite Star Wars thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I know you have those issues with it, but I, I didn't yeah. at all. Uh, I thought it was perfect, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, I, I, think say, we're, I think we're getting that slow to like, like this reminded me of like deep cut HBO reference, which maybe only I watch because I'm from New Jersey is Boardwalk Empire, where it would be like the deals had to be made to beat this bad guy, but the deal made is going to be the future season bad guy. And I was just like, okay, they're, they're really focusing in on Bo-Katan with the crazy eyes and, mm-hmm. and the fanatical language. And like, I'm like, okay, because I've watched that scene a few times. I'm like, all of Bo-Katan's lines, and I, I'll get into this later about her, some logic gaps I have with this, is are so forced and they're so on the nose. I'm just like, subtlety would be your friend right here. Uh, because it's like, if we save this for the Empire, it's like, shut up. Like, come on. <laughs> just tell them just, just to knock it off, and that would be fine. Oh, oh. Yeah. So we, um, so yeah, it's um, a matter of like, like, I, yeah. So some of this dialogue for Bo-Katan, she was not handed a strong card to play. And I think that hurt. But in your, when, when you were saying with placement, one of the things that came on Investor Day that uh, Alex brought up was that we are going to see that, yes, this was like used to, to jump off a lot of people, but we're mm-hmm. going to get crossover and cross-pollination. Of, like, this is going to be like a, a universe-type thing where yeah. there will be some sort of epic re- reunion of all these characters again. So if that's the long play, I'm okay with that. But Kat, I totally get your point about it. It's just like, because I actually thought when it was just like there, there's a Jedi, I'm like, is this going to be Ahsoka? Because that'd be kind of cool. And yeah. then it wasn't, I but you know, I keep bringing it up because I, I really want to talk about it. <laughs> I never, it's so sad too because like I not like I, I think of myself as someone who's smart, but then when I watch something, I'm the dumbest person. Like I'm like, oh my god, like I can't believe, and like it's like, every, like the the x-wing right the x-wing like people probably like instantly were like oh shit it's luke skywalker and me it took me so long it took me until seeing the lightsaber i'm like oh shit it's him and then moments later i'm like oh look there's his hand he doesn't have it like like it took me a while dude it's it's uh, not like your wife asking you why is he dressed like darth vader i'm like son of a bitch i've been over this with you come on pay attention um <laughs> Like, I, no, no, no. I, yeah. I just want to talk real quick about Bill, what Bill said. Like, I think, you know, Kat, you're definitely in the minority in terms of how you feel. And, you know, but that's why we have you on this podcast. Th- I never thought of it like that. I really didn't until you, you brought it up. And what Bill said really makes sense. Like having this be not just a launch pad for these shows, but, uh, you know, a way for them pad. to reconvene. I really think that, you know, the the final episode of one season or the finale of the entire show, all of these series would be like this reclaiming of Mandalore that we've been talking about um, for, you know, the season. Right. I, I never thought like my biggest fear going to this episode was they were going to put everything into one episode. We were going to see all of these storylines go into one. And I think the only thing that bothered me outside of that almost unnecessary fight sequence, but really cool at the same time was not Bo-Katan's 
dialogue, but specifically the uh, the bad guy uh, monologue from uh, uh, Moff Gideon that he literally has to beat us over the head with. We are taking the child's blood. We're going to basically get Palpatine back. Like, remember that shit you saw that you didn't like in Rise of Skywalker? We're making it canon. Like, that's what they were doing. And that was the only thing that really, like, took me out of the episode for a second. I have, um, I have one that takes me way more out of it. Ooh, great, because we'll go to Bill. What, what was your, uh, was your took me out of the episode moment? Okay, so the, the whole dark, Ken, you might, be, uh, you might be able to fill in all the blanks here. The whole dark saber thing where Mando's literally like, take this. And she's and they're like, well, if she doesn't beat you, she's not yeah. legitimate. And, you know, I'm like, this isn't the sword in the stone. There's no magical space rock. She's going to pull it out. You hand it to her. Who's going to blow up her spot and say, was, oh, sh-. Harry Potter. It was the Elder Wand. <laughs> it's like, like I, so, I forgot about that completely. And I actually don't remember that too well. But. It's just like Koska's gonna help blow her up. She loves her. That's like her right hand person. Like Moff Gideon's gonna be in jail. Mando, Fennec, and Caradun give zero fucks about Mandalore. And Boba Fett, you know, is gonna go run the mafia, so he doesn't care. So who's gonna blow up her spot? It's just like take it, reclaim it. No one's gonna spread these rumors around. But yeah, so this is one of those instances where Ken's like, I'm gonna tell you. This is the reason. This is one of those instances where the show didn't do a good enough job explaining it. It just kind of touched it on surface level. So she actually accepted a uh, the sword, the Darksaber, in the form of a yield on the show Rebels uh, from a character wow. named Sabine. And the, oh, that character sounds familiar. Yeah, she's a, a Mandalorian who like uh, does graffiti paint because, you know, children TV shows. And she's a really cool character. But um, something that's touched upon in uh, Clone Wars and Rebels and also like some auxiliary comics and books is that for as much as you can trust other Mandalorians, you can't, you know, like friends and family, you can't ever trust them beyond the aspect of the glory. So something that's been kind of surmised amongst fans is between Rebels and now, because it's like a significant amount of time, is that once she had the Darksaber and lost it again there was probably an instance of her being betrayed by other Mandalorians because they learned that she yielded it. So she wanted a yield and not a battle. So the idea here is that for as much as she trusts the people in the room, since she lost it uh, previously, probably due to yielding it, she's afraid that that would happen again. And she doesn't want rumors to spread that she's not as powerful as she actually is. Also, so we it's kind of like a contingency uh, aspect. We also didn't have the third guy either. Yeah. So I'm wondering. So that was weird. But that was I wouldn't mind if that comes back in another episode where he, for that reason, where he finds out that she yielded and isn't like this, or she got it in the yield, not a real battle, and he doesn't believe in her anymore. That would be cool if that came up and we get that explanation in season three. I'd be, I'd be down for yeah. that. Yeah, because the Mandalorian as a people, they're very much like that, where it's like if you they think of lies as being worse to being the most dishonorable thing. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Okay. I knew Ken would. I knew Ken would. would, It would answer that. Because I'm sitting there. I'm just like I I watched the scene. I'm like, Ken will know this answer. (laughs) One thing I I did really like about. I guess this is a little bit later, but we're talking about like that third guy wasn't there. Something I really thought was cool is that at one point I was like, 
oh, this is just like all women and Mando, like taking over and going to the space. So I was like, that's pretty cool. I mean, I am struggling, struggling to think of a situation in Star Wars in which a group of women are like working together or going into like a charge. It's never happened. Uh, it's usually just Princess Leia uh-huh. and Princess Leia, or Padme and or Ray. Nobody or Ray, yeah, yeah. And and conceptually, it made the most sense. I know a lot of people wanted Cobb Vanth to be in the episode, and uh, I, I know one. I, I know two people who did. Yeah. <laughs> one of them is talking but, but right now. But in hindsight, yeah. you definitely didn't need to go all the way to Tatooine for that. As much as I love the guy, it's like I don't think you would have added that much. Well, that's yeah. right. I mean, book, it, it, it would have made no there. sense for. A, it, for them to have Cobb and not to have um, uh, Carl Weathers, I thought would be strange. Yeah. So that's it's, it's Carl Weathers that's, just busy. I guess he's just on the planet. No, I just yeah, that's true. He's probably running the planet. But like, I was a, I was also a huge fan of them not doing this. Like, every character you've ever met from the first two seasons are coming together to save the child. Like, I just love that he's like, no, we. We, we, we found his location with the one guy. We don't even need him for the rest of the fucking shit. And then we're going to grab uh, Bo-Katan because she knows this guy. Um, and, you know, I could easily just give her the ship in exchange um, and a Darksaber. I just want to say, first of all, they, they made it. Uh, I know I'm going to another tangent, right. but but this is, this Moff Gideon is straight all up like tangent. Moff Gideon straight up looks like he kills Bo-Katan, and we don't know how she's doing. Is she standing at the end? Yes. She's she's standing. She gets the, shot she, up. Yeah, but she, she shot, shot in the armor. Yeah, he still. Shot. She fell down. No, she's she's I up in the it end. Twice, and I don't remember. Three times, she's up. He he shot somebody, and I remember thinking like, I was like, oh damn, why did he kill her and not Cara Dune? But he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. It's like, why don't you shoot? Well, not just for those reasons, but it's like, why wouldn't you not shoot the person with the least amount of armor? You know, um, but it's but there's, uh, there's history there. So yeah, I, I know, That's I know, but. Yeah. I mean, the the real better question in this, the question that I asked, screaming at the screen, is why are they letting Gus Fring stay alive? Why are they killing him? Because, what, to shoot him because just they want to. They want to get the information from him. That's what yeah, they're more the public. He want, they want to find other remnants of the Empire, probably. Which to, they're to, not going to get. But that, I also point. feel like, but going off your point, Kat, I was just like, oh, this is the central plot of Rangers of the New Republic. It's just yeah. like, we're going to get information from Gus Fring, and then yes. he's go- we're going to send Dave Filoni and the other guy out as space cops to oh. uh, go find everybody. I, I like don't think the that's space cops. I'm really excited for that. Oh, I'm so well, excited for that, especially if it's well. I don't. Oh, I don't by the way, so, sorry, I have my own little space cop showing up right now. <laughs> I'm just gonna mute Bill. Um, so because that's what happens. So, um, he said that Rangers of the New Republic is actually going to take place within within a year of Return of the Jedi. So it's not going to be in this time period. It's still in the Mandalorian universe, but. It's uh, I think it's going to show, I guess, the what immediately followed um, the fall of the Empire, which I think is interesting. I, I, you know, I love that, you know, this is like a new world order that they're kind of rebuilding with the New Republic. And I, I'd like to see more of that rebuilding stage, I guess. Um, it's going to be the wire in Star Wars. 
That's I'm fine with this. Um, so let's go a little further into the episode. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, um, you know, getting onto the ship, getting on the ship, and uh, you know, just mowing people down. Um, and then, of course, the you know, the glory that is the dark troopers, or not so much. So let me uh, let me start with uh, with Ken. Uh, so. You know, what did, what did you think of this, like, just this whole sequence? Like, you know, we get we get to Moff Gideon pretty quickly into the episode, um, but there's some pretty cool set pieces. I, I mean, this is, like, top-tier Mandalorian, and, you know, we would get one of these in maybe in an episode, and we got a whole bunch. So how was your feeling throughout? Did you feel like the pacing was, was, was good? And, uh, and just what did you think of these, like, you know, two or three set pieces overall? I thought the set pieces were pretty great, actually. I did, from just like a fanboy perspective, want a little bit more from the Dark Troopers. I mean, I understand why. It's kind of like this um, self-fulfilling prophecy when you create an entity that's so powerful. You need to find a way that the main character or characters dispatch of it rather quickly. So seeing that the Dark Troopers get, you know, thrusted into space after Mando fights the one... I get that from a storytelling perspective. I still would have liked to see more of them. Because the interesting thing in um the old video games where the Dark Troopers exist is they have, like, a variation. They have, like, uh, it's almost like Iron Man where they have, like, concealed weapons in different areas. And they could do a lot more than you saw in the episode where they're just, like, punching and kicking and grabbing. So it would have been cool to see that. But it still was done really well. And I do actually love, because when I was watching the episode, I remember thinking in real time, you know, it's kind of weird that he just pushed these robots out into space and they're robots and we've seen them fly. So I love that they came back because I was like, oh, yeah, robots wouldn't die in space. That's how that works. I actually really love the set piece with Moff Gideon fighting with the Darksaber and the spear because yeah. going into it, going into it, I actually thought my, found myself thinking like, you know, this matchup is a little silly because... As imposing and interesting as Moff Gideon is, he is an old man. So I was kind of sat there going, like, you know, I wonder what kind of threat he's going to be to Mando. And then when they're fighting, I was like, oh, he's fighting the way an old man would. I'm glad the show's doing that. So, so funny then. I isn't, like that that's how that went. Isn't Star Wars just a bunch of old men fighting? Isn't that the world these days? <laughs> I like, legitimately, like, since the prequels. Like, Count Dooku was, like, a thousand years old. Yeah. Come to think of it, yeah, Qui-Gon Jinn's pretty old, yeah. It's just, like, just old dudes. I, 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 I love that Either. we see a little, like, there's a little Game of Thrones nod in there when um, Al just disappeared for a second on screen. Uh, where it's a little Game of Thrones reference when um, Mando kicks the spear, does, like, a kick flip with the spear. And I was like, oh, that is so him in Game of Thrones. That is so Oberyn Martell right there. Like, it is so cool. Like, it was just like, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but, like, if you, I've seen that scene a number of times. And it's an iconic, like, fight in that series. And I'm just like, ooh, there's a couple. There's a couple nods there. I, I, I dug it. But, yeah, I there was no way Gus Fring, Chicken King, was going to win that. But, man, it was like... <laughs> But it was so cool because it's just it was it wasn't more him it was just that dark saber we've never seen it in action and when I thought the cool the cool shots of that that was when it hits the uh, Beskar spear and how you see the Beskar spear light up we didn't see that in the fight between Ahsoka 
and um, um, the woman on the planet. Sorry, yeah. I forgot her name. I did. I know. Like I remember her name. She's like Bruce Lee's goddaughter, uh, but I forgot her name in the show. Elsbeth. That's it. Uh, like Diane Elsbeth or something like that. Some. It's like yeah. it, it could be someone your neighbor's name. Yes. It's a very non-Star Wars name. But yeah, you never saw like when they were fighting like this the the lightsaber light up, the best car heated up like that. And I thought that was a very cool moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um so uh, Kent and Cole, uh we were talking about just like the, you know, these two or three action set pieces, you know, past you know, past the fight at the uh, the cantina, um we get this really cool diversion slash uh, you know, entrance to Moff Gideon's ship. We get the storm on the ship, and then, of course, the Mando and uh, Dark Trooper fight. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, you know, I, I feel like asking this to Cole is like asking it to myself. Like, what did you think? Was it cool? Fuck it, of course it was cool. But, like, you know... I would you, love for Cole to be like, no, Al, actually. Actually, no. You know what? It wasn't that cool, Al. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, how did you feel about just, like, the, you know, the overall pacing for it and, um, you know, did it kind of live up to those expectations that we've been building up to uh, this season? Um, yes. Uh, I loved all the fights in, in this episode. Um, I love the way they built the tension. They, like it was, everything was very drawn out and I actually really enjoyed that a great deal. Um, it made the dark troopers feel like very oppressive and scary and kind of unlike something I've, seen in a Star Wars movie before. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I guess they've appeared in other things, but I just, I've never like felt so much tension watching a Star Wars movie. And yeah, I just thought the way they faced mm-hmm. everything with them was excellent. It's so funny because before the Dark Troopers even came on screen, literally, like, what were we saying right before that? Like, everyone gets on the ship and they just annihilate all these stormtroopers. And I'm just like, stormtroopers are so useless. Has a stormtrooper ever shot anyone? Ever even, like, hurt or maimed? Like, never mind killed. Have they ever, like, shot somebody in the arm or... Finn has. What? I'm pretty sure he's shot and killed people. I think I think I think the only time was uh, was in the Force Awakens in that opening village no, raid, right, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking. I was like, oh yeah, they were able to kill defenseless villagers. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, guys. Do you guys remember the finale of last season where uh, at the start you see the scout troopers trying to shoot the rocks and they can't? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Amazing. Oh, chef's yeah. kiss on that one. Yeah. Again, um, Adam Pally and, and Jason Sudeikis. I, yeah. I, we, we were just talking about how, like, there's, like, there's absolutely no tension when you have a normal stormtrooper. So when the dark troopers came on, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, this looks cool. What's happening? And I was really excited when Mando seemed to, like, barely even keep up with one of them. And then there was all of them. And I was like, oh, this is going to be lit. And then he just like <laughs> opens, he just like opens the door and they all go. And literally I said out loud, Oh, and there's all of the tension that has just left the scene flying out into space. But it made it that much cooler when they came back. I was like, Oh, they're basically Iron Men. And then you were yeah. like, Yeah, this is John Favreau. And I was like, Oh shit. It all comes <laughs> first. It's the Iron Wars. Yeah. This they was the prequel to the Iron Wars. They felt like those things in Iron Man 2 that they killed in like a second. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, and, and, uh, Kat, I'm gonna just throw another question to you as your, as our music editor. I found it super interesting that the, um, that the Dark Troopers had their own, like, yes, um, I was gonna bring that EDM, up. EDM, uh, oh, I loved trans- it. Transformers, like, theme. Oh, dude, it was like, I was waiting for Skrillex's name to pop up in it. It was like, womp, 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 womp. And I'm like, oh, I love it. I literally said that. I was like, is anybody else waiting for a beat to drop right now? Like, this this guy. It was like like dubstep meets Transformers, which is also dubstep. Yeah. Yeah. So unlike any sound we've heard in Star Wars music, yeah, I which I love. I one thing I loved about seeing when when the troopers were were coming out was the desperation in Mando's voice. It was like, no, like it's like we we haven't heard that. He's so stoic. (laughs) Even like when they were outnumbered and outgunned on the the uh, first jail heist episode last year, even even when he was dying in the finale last year. There was never, like, panic. And that was cool. Like, you heard the panic. And we don't hear that in a lot of heroes' voices. of just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, this is bad, guys. And, like, you know, he's just like, and I, I love that. I also got a little chuckle out of when the Dark Trooper was punching his helmet and nothing yeah. happened. But it was just, then you realize, like, oh, he's pushing him through the spaceship. Um, yeah. But that was cool. But I, I love the juxtaposition of, like, <laughs> The, the female fire uh, – the, the Fox Force 4 gets through um, uh, the stormtroopers or the incompetent men in white plastic as I like to call them. And they, yes. they just cut through them like a hot knife through butter and then to, to, to show how fearsome that the dark troopers are mm-hmm. and – a.k.a. the Sentinels and from X-Men. And I'm, but I don't think we're going to see – this is not the last time I think we're going to see the dark troopers. They're coming back. In some I series, so. I, they're a great. First off, a great toy if you're a collector. Secondly, yeah. just a great visual, and like we didn't get to see them in full action. Like you could see them really. They didn't just have one set of dark troopers. Like we're gonna have more for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm interested in seeing more of them because they actually felt like a real threat. Yeah. Um, or at least they did until the very very end because well, it seems. Oh, I guess lightsabers just destroy them. Um, They they destroy everything, including the hopes and dreams of small children in the prequels we learned. You mean younglings. Oh, fucking worst word ever. (laughs) Jesus. Jesus. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah, and I want to, you know, wait for Ken to to get back so we can talk a little more about, um, we can get into the next segment, but um, let's talk. Real quick about, you know, the, you've mentioned Kat, this, uh, all female, like, you know, raid about upon, uh, the ship, just wiping out stormtroopers, which was one of my favorite parts of the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bill, I didn't get the whole Cara Dune is gonna die, you know, uh, I totally did. I just wanted her to die. I didn't no, 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 I didn't want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, no, no. That that was not my motive because I was just I was thinking like, okay, it's just like you have this elite fighting force that's going in there. You mm-hmm. have to like pit that one person could die. Yeah, and like her no, gun, I just saw her competence across the board. You know, it was it's crazy, and they they work just so well together. And I actually like the dynamic between um, 
Cara Dune and, and Fennec. Like, I thought that oh, was, like, a cool, like, oh, this, not, a, this is a blossoming, a blossoming relationship. Not anymore. Uh, but not I anymore. love I love the Fennec, like, shooting the Stormtrooper through, like, such a tight window. Like, after yeah, she basically cool. just does a lean back, pops a guy, and then it's just like, all right, there's a guy through this little triangle here. Bang, got him. I was like, that's cool. Because everyone got their yeah. moments, really, to shine, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought the uh, I I thought with Cara Dune's character uh, with the gun jamming, she's like, "Ah, oh, fuck this," and she just hits the guy with it. I'm like, "That's cool as hell." And then when she gets it unjammed, she just wipes a bunch of people out. Like she got her moment. And of course, you just mentioned Phoenix, and then uh, I loved the moment where, uh, yeah, they kind of uh, so uh, Bo-Katan and Sasha Banks they jump off this like classic star Wars walkway of doom. Like if you trip, you're fucked, right? Like I never understood these, <laughs> these bother me. They're in a lot of movies. I like, what is this? There's no guardrails anywhere. No. What is that? I don't ever understood that. So I heard people say that about you... Lord of the Rings too. There's no handrails anywhere in Lord of the Rings. Well, I mean like, well, that's we have, a, at least they have swords. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, they jump off this uh, this walkway and kind of uh, get the drop on, like, eight stormtroopers. It was really cool that everyone gets their moment to shine. And then, of course, we lead into uh, the, the Mando and Moff Gideon fight, which, you know, we've talked about already. But I will say that, man, I love goddamn Giancarlo Esposito, and I think he is amazing in everything he does. And we've talked about that before. And I've interviewed him on, uh, for the, the site a few times, um, which you can, you can, uh, read on the pop wow. and couldn't be a nicer human being. I'm just so glad that he's going to, he's in everything now, you know, out, you know, after being in breaking bad and being, uh, usual and like a working actor since he was like 16, I think he's been, you know, you know, obviously famous and things like do the right thing. Um, but like now he's everywhere, and I lo- I love seeing. And just keep putting him in things. He's good in everything. I, I in want the- him to have like his like nice like grandpa sweater moment. He like will. I want him to be like a nice man in things. He's just mm-hmm. always like this like conspiratorial like asshole who's the head of something. Like he he played a very similar character in The Boys, who's like yep. the head. Of the- oh, I didn't see that too. Of their uh, of the corporation that that runs everything, um, yeah, I want I want him to well, just I, be like in a Nancy Wires movie where he's just like a nice grandpa or he's just doing nice things. Be um, a good Lucius Fox. Oh, that's a great that's great casting. Honestly, he would be. Would be really I said like he could basically be like our like our next generation Morgan Freeman. He yeah. should just be this generation's Morgan Freeman. Um, I would love to see him. Like, I don't know why this came into mind. I'm like, man, I would love to see him in the Peter Falk role in Princess Bride, being the narrator. I'm like, uh, I would love the shit out of that because he's got this like v- velveteen voice that you just like. Read me the phone book, Giancarlo. I will listen to whatever you have to say. But I have to say, like, with that scene, there's like this cool moment where it's like. Mando basically betrays everyone. And yes. it was like, okay, I know Cara Dune wants you. I know Bo-Katan wants you. But I just want my kid. Mm-hmm. Give me yeah. the kid. You can walk, bro. 
In fact, I'll leave your ship. You know what? I'll walk. I'll leave the ship. And that's like a moment like this guy who has such a fervent and reverential um, like passion for oaths and creeds and promises is basically like, nah, it's just it's just it's just ba- sweet baby Yoda, my baby boy. That's right. Speaking of baby boys, um, there's Ken. That's right. So let's go into uh, the next segment because I know we're going to have some thoughts on this. Um is the four strong with this one where we talk about the guest stars uh, of the episode. And, you know, we've already talked in length about Cara Dune. Uh, it's Fett, not even a guest star at this point. Panic. Um, Sasha Banks. We'll, we, can, we can briefly talk about. Um, Sasha but, Banks is great. But we, we all know what we need to talk about. And of course, if we haven't already said this, which we have not, spoilers galore, guys, because we're getting into probably one of the coolest reveals, um, depending on who you're asking. I haven't see, seen any hate on this, by the way. I've seen a little hate. But let's talk real quick about the return, question mark, of Mr. Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. So at the end of the episode, as we already mentioned in the opening scroll, um, you know, all all seems lost as the dark troopers have returned to just fuck shit up and save Moff Gideon and the child from this uh, ragtag rebellious group. Uh, but comes you know out of nowhere an X wing and just the decimation of the dark troopers and again. Star Wars fashion having one of the coolest hallway scenes of all time, rivaling Marvel Netflix shows with uh, the amount of cool hallway fights. Uh, we get the return of Luke Skywalker uh, in all his digital deep fake technology form. So, guys, what did you think of the reveal? Uh, I'm going to start with Bill. So I'd be hypocritical to not point out my own hypocrisy. Uh, because, uh, which was actually my line in my review of this uh, episode on the poprick.com. We've talked at length on this podcast about, I was like, thank God we're not bringing the Skywalkers into this. Thank God we're not tying this back into the original movies and force making fetch happen with this and crowbarring things into this, like Vader being in the end of Rogue One or uh Darth Maul and Solo or like all the other stuff we've seen in like the, the sequel trilogy. And I swear to God, I like when I saw Luke Skywalker, I just was a child all over again. I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh my God, it's, ha- it's happening. But something we've also pointed out on this podcast is like, cause I thought about this thing. Like, is this just fan service? I'm like, okay, first off, this is a show spun off of the star Wars series where our the cutest thing in the world is baby Yoda. He's really not a Yoda, but he's the baby version of Yoda. <laughs> We've resurrected Boba Fett. There's this whole let's throw fan service out the window, in my opinion, because it's like we've already done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've also talked about the incompetence of the Jedi. It's like, okay, so Ahsoka said when there's very few Jedi left. So when they put Baby Yoda on the Seeing Stone, and he called out to the, through the Force, there's only so many Jedi he was going to get. Luke Skywalker, post Return of the Jedi, is arguably one of the most 
powerful Jedi in the galaxy. How does he not hear him? How does he not hear this? And, and, and you know, from reading some of the books and stuff like that when I was younger, it's like Luke is about healing the the healing in the Force and about rebuilding the Jedi. So it makes all the sense of the world that he would show up. And frankly, we haven't seen Luke as this badass Jedi just doing badass Jedi things mm-hmm. as a young man. He didn't really do that in Empire. I mean, he did it sort of in Empire with Jabba in, in that whole sequence. But even then, it was he wanted to be captured, you know, so he could fight his way through and save everybody. Like, this was just him going out and just... You know, to quote DMX, just to stop, drop, shut them down, open up shop. I mean, I don't know why that was my first thing, <laughs> but I think it was like it's also the 20 year anniversary of that album I saw on Twitter. But it's like, and I'm still the only person to ever compare DMX to Luke Skywalker. Jesus, Bill, get a new job. It's uh, at this, but it was it was the coolest moment. And when they deep faked him, and I was just like, at first I'm like, oh, this is a choice, and I'm like, this looks really good. Because I remember when they did that with Leia in Rogue One, I was like, fuck this. I was like, whatever. This is so forced. But it makes sense. And, you know, the fact it was Hamill and it was his voice and they they, they did all that. I was like, God, this really, really, really works for me. <laughs> Even though I said, oh, I don't want to ever see it. And it, it, they did it and they proved me wrong. Ken. Uh, as someone who basically called this uh, <laughs> weeks ago, um, you know, I, I'd love to hear your opinion on it because you basically gave us the, the math, the science and the reasoning, not just for the possibility of Luke Skywalker being the one to answer the call. But at the same time, like, how could he not? He is basically, you know, the Star Wars equivalent of Superman. In the sense that, like, if something like this was happening, why wouldn't he know? Why wouldn't he be involved? So I'd love to hear your thoughts as someone who, you know, uh, gave theories of who it could be, but, of course, led to, you know, the conclusion that it should be Luke. Yeah, I hope I don't sound like some type of uh, prophet. But I really do feel like the second I saw Baby Yoda way back in season one, like the the second I saw him, I kind of predicted this is where it was going to go. Like the second, because I just found myself thinking like it only makes sense that Luke would show up. It's like the logical, the only logical thing. I'll be honest with you. I feel mixed about it, but mostly largely in positive ways. On one hand, the scene largely worked for me in the sense that Bill's right, we haven't seen Luke Skywalker like this, and I never I never really subscribed to being one of these fans that felt like I needed to see that, but seeing it play out the way it did, it did touch on something that made me feel like a kid. It really did get into some like inner primal thing. The second thing that is also positive to me, which some people would might find this to be almost negative, but I mean, I love Baby Yoda guys. I'm going to miss him. But thank fuck he's gone. Thank fuck Luke is gone. And now we can get rid of this Jedi shit from this show. I'm so happy. Because I guess for me with Baby Yoda, I just viewed him as a ticking time bomb where everything was going to coalesce back to the Skywalker Jedi stuff. And now that he's gone, I'm like, great. We could tell more interesting stories. 
I'm sure Baby Yoda will show up again. I'm sure a Skywalker too will be mentioned, but yeah, I'm excited. This actually really excited me because book ending this actually makes me think the show has more possibilities of where it could go. And yeah, I thought it was cool. I'll say one thing that's interesting. I really wanted Sebastian Stan to do it. And the deep, Al, the Al deep fake, yeah, yeah, the deep fake didn't really work for me. Like, I, I it took me out of it like quite a bit. But hilariously, uh, going on Reddit throughout that day, that Friday, and like Twitter and Facebook, oh my god, it worked for so many people. And I saw so many people kind of like angry at the idea that they might have ever used someone different than Mark Hamill. Like, I saw comments that were like. It's screw people want a Sebastian Stan. This is the way it should have gone. So ah. I sat there going, like, okay, I guess Disney, yeah. But you know, objectively speaking, I sat and thought, like, okay, I guess Disney knows what they're doing on a like a business level of how to please people. Like, it, it is fan service, but I think something we all have to get used to in the context of Star Wars is that it's never really not been fan service, arguably speaking. So, yeah, I guess it's, fu- it's funny. It's funny you brought up the Sebastian Stan thing because the th- the I had the complete opposite thought of like Disney made a mistake by not using him because you know Mark Hamill is is an older guy like you know I hope he lives forever and is actively involved in the Star Wars you know universe for years and years and years to come but as a business like you know. The show can last, you know, these this universe that they're building, this television universe, can last for years and decades and such. So why wouldn't you want to introduce a young actor to play, you know, an iconic character? You've already done that with Solo. So it just it didn't make sense to me to to not have Sebastian Stan, who is the freaking like literally looks like a young Mark Hamill, as you know, fans have been saying, uh, you know, for recent years. So it just didn't make sense to me for them to go the, um, you know, the. That I, we keep saying deep fake, but you know, there's just the, the digital route. Um, cat yeah. Cole, do you have anything to add on, on I guess my, uh, my point I made? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing and then you could go. Um, if they had cast Sebastian Stan, then, uh, I would assume that he would then become a huge part of the show. But I yeah. think that that's, clear that it's not like Luke was just dropping in for a cameo. Yeah. Um, I will say that I thought the deep fake looked really good when he didn't talk or move or move. Um, the moment he started talking, it was like, Oh, but honestly, nothing will ever be as bad as the grand Moff Tarkin CGI in rogue one. It, so it looked as good as like the Irishman, yeah. maybe even a little better. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, maybe a little bit better. Um, but yeah, but you you go ahead. Um, no, yeah, I, I on the one hand, I I would like to see Sebastian Stan play that character. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, I do like the, the fact that they did use CGI to do him tells me that he's not going to be a part of the show, that, or a small part, or or like they'll ever use him again. Mm-hmm. I think they really just wanted him to have this one. Uh, basically function in the story and then just leave it at that. Um, just because you, you needed like an important character for that role that he was fulfilling within the story itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if they had cast Sebastian Stan, that would have told me that like, maybe he'll be back. And even though they did kind of do that with solo, it's a bit different because I don't think they've ever done it where 
like Mark Hamill played young Luke Skywalker and then played old Luke Skywalker. Yeah. So then Sebastian Stan would be playing not as young, but also not as old Luke Skywalker. It's a bit odd. But you also brought up a good point that I hadn't considered. Like, pretend you're just somebody who's watching the show and you don't know who Sebastian Stan really is. If he comes out on screen, I mean, at no point does he say, my name is Luke Skywalker. Yeah, it's literally, they also don't know who he is. Exactly. They don't know who he is. They're like, are you a Jedi? If it was Sebastian Stan, we would have known, oh, it's Sebastian Stan playing Luke. But some other people would be like, who is this guy? He kind of looks like young Mark Hamill. Like, you know. I don't even think a lot of people yeah. would have made that connection. Yes. Yeah. So many young people that don't even know that there's old Star Wars movies. Oh, yeah. That's, like, like yeah. people who are like 18 to 25. Yeah, no. Like, the prequels are Star Wars to them. They don't even know about Mark Hamill. <laughs> Jesus. It's it's sure. Can I ask like you guys something with mm-hmm. that context in mind? Because yeah. that's also a really good point. So, I enjoyed the scene. I thought they did a good kind of swan song with particularly, like, the Mando and Baby Yoda relationship. Yeah. But and it, something that was weird for me sitting down watching how the scene played out, and I saw the episode a second time, is, okay, narratively and just how the characters interacted, I guess it made sense for him not to say his name, even though I'm sure, you know, Bill could attest to this, uh, and Al can, as parents, if you're going to give your kid to someone, I'm sure you'd at least want to know their name to get the contact details and figure out, you know, let me get your contact info, you know, where can I reach you in the quickest? I need, like, three references. Yeah. But, but so, so this is where I'm coming in with a little bit of baggage. And I know Disney's doing something different. (laughs) And I know Disney's doing something different. So I want to be open-minded to it. So in the old EU, what was kind of interesting and how that plays out post return of the Jedi is that Leia, Luke and Han somewhat become celebrities due to their exploits in the context that, the rebels and the new republic pretty much props them up as the saviors of the galaxy and they essentially become celebrities within the context of that world where people understand that those are the people responsible for freedom i guess with what disney's trying to go down in terms of this route is that for as much as that people in the military would know things the general populace wouldn't so maybe there's a leeway that the galaxy won't know who luke skywalker is but even with that and I just wanted to bring this up to you guys. Would it make sense for someone like Cara Dune not to know who he is? Yeah, I was like, just thinking that. Like, she must know. Yeah. yeah. Well, unless, I don't... unless she's never seen him, because you can know someone by name, but maybe not by facial recognition. Like, she would know General Skywalker because she was a, a rebel uh, drop trooper, but yeah. she might not know him by sight. You know, like we like, yes, and I was thinking of that, too, because I'm like, wouldn't she know him? And also remember, this is the same show where Mando doesn't know who the hell Boba Fett is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point. Mando doesn't know. I saw an article. He's John Snow. (laughs) I've said this before. I saw an article. He knows nothing. There was a headline of an article that I saw. I don't know if it was like AV Club or something, but it, it was like the best part about the Mandalorian is that the main character doesn't care about Star Wars. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't and I love that. Like that's I like why I like it so much. Yeah. Yeah. You don't care. Like, it's 
Because you are, you know, you're the vessel, like, Amanda is the vessel for the, the viewer, right? It's kind of like this person kind of experiencing all of these things, like, I guess not even for the first time, but just, just experiencing them. Like, right. he's not, like, he's not trying to, like, overcomplicate things by knowing so much. Like, he doesn't know who Boba Fett is. All right, that's weird, but fuck it. Who cares? He doesn't know who Luke Skywalker is. Eh, probably a lot of people don't, as you guys have already mentioned. Like, do we know any of our, like, like recent war heroes, I don't think so, which is sad, but true. Who, who was on SEAL Team 6? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, uh, Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Chris Pratt and uh, yeah. Joel Edgerton. Yeah, there you go. So I, I think you're, you're all making valid points, but I think, again, the, the execution of it was pretty great. Um, you know, whether you had problems with the, you know, the technology to bring – you know, uh, you know, to make a young Luke Skywalker, which I find weird that they couldn't do that properly because, like, if you saw um, Captain America: Civil War when they have young Robert Downey Jr. in the in one of the opening scenes, it is like flawless. Like mm-hmm. they got to a point where it's like fucking great. So, did they not have money for this episode that they could oh, like? I was going to say, Al, that is like a major, that's like a major Marvel sequel. This is one episode of a Disney Plus show. But yeah. a pretty big episode, and I'm sure that this budget yeah. is not... Yeah, but I mean, minuscule. like, there might have been some constraints there at the same time. Hey. Right? This is the only thing that's carrying Disney Plus, we know, but, like, at the same time, they, like, it was, we saw in that Investor Day, anything they could have thrown a logo on, they're making a show out of. Like, yeah, exactly. But can I bring up yeah. a point that Ken made, and this could actually transition to our next segment, which yes. is, stop, Baby Yoda time. Uh, he he is the ears that turns the gears of this series, but it's just like <laughs> thank you. I love like that, that, by the way. That's you're good. welcome. You're welcome. Did you it's, use that in your review? I think I might have. I definitely said that okay. to myself at some point. But anyway, good it's it, that we are like I'm so glad he's out of the series, or it will be like at least not a main part of Mandalorian season three. Maybe is that he's so cute, he's so adorable. But as I've said before, it's like he's so omnipresent in pop culture that the burnout and the over the super saturation of him would be way too much if it continued with this Mando Baby Yoda thing in, in season three. Even though it might be two years from now, it, it would be might be just a little too much. Like I think people could be like, ah, I'm over it, you know. And I could see that. So I, I think that was, a, um, as Al would say, a baller move to it definitely is a, to separate those guys. Because the reunion will be that much better. Move. It is a ballsy move, Ken. I, I totally agree with that. But I think, you know, and, and we're getting into the segment now, uh, you know, that moment, which brought tears to my eyes Every in time. the first viewing, and then the again, probably in the second viewing and every viewing that I will ever have after that, uh, I explained that by the way that I, te- I that I cried during an episode of The Mandalorian to my wife and and my uh, my mother in law, and they were like in tears laughing at me. And I was like, you guys don't get it. Like you just don't. Um, you have my, to. My- you should have phrased it. You should have phrased it. If like, imagine if you were going to give Parker to someone and you knew yeah. you might never see him again. Dude, and my, you don't even know the guy's name. My wife is the queen of no emotion at like pop culture stuff, and she saw that and she's like, "Oh, yeah, think about her dad." And then Sophie's like, "I don't like this. I don't like this yeah. at all." And I'm like, "It's okay." But and then I, guess- I also love the fact that 
they made it okay for him to go with Luke by bringing R2-D2 into it. It's like the shiny wow. things with sounds and lights makes it okay for that. Baby Yoda to come in. We didn't even mention that during the opening well, scroll, but I'm glad that you brought it up. But let, we'll get to that in a second. I guess the point I wanted to, to go into is, you know, we saw a, a, a glimmer of, Hope. you know, not a dark side, but a a very angry and scared side with Baby Yoda just just throwing stormtroopers in, in a, you know, two episodes ago. Um, we didn't get that in this episode. We got a very subdued and scared uh, little baby Grogu um, almost getting uh, dark sabered. Um, and then, you know, we get these, uh, we get some very, very adorable moments uh, of, of baby Yoda, uh, you know, when he's, when he's touching the the screen where he sees this uh, Jedi going ham on the dark troopers. It's already a meme, by the way. And yeah. Yeah. And like um, how he's almost like reaching out to him saying like, I'm here, I'm here. Like, oh, I love that. Um, but, you know, I guess we have to talk about it because, again, I'm going to probably cry. But this scene where – uh, Mando has to basically, um, like, tell his son, I need you to go with this man. He's going to protect you. He's going to help you, like, like get, you know, get you to uh, get train you and make you become the Jedi you're supposed to be. The man you're supposed to be is the word you're looking for. The, the man more, you're supposed the, to be. Uh, the more emotional word, yeah. The man, the man doe you're supposed, Mando to, be. You're supposed to be. Yeah, um, I mean, Kat, we'll, we'll throw it to you, one of, one of the one of Baby Yoda's biggest fans. Uh, what, I, what cannot, did you think of being- I cannot refer to him as not our sweet baby boy or sweet baby whatever oh, sweet. in anything I write because of you. <laughs> our, our sweet baby boy. Sweet baby yeah, baby. Sweet, sweet baby Grogu. Um... Yeah, that moment, it was really, really, really sweet and touching. And it was the type of thing that as it was happening, I think I said this out loud. I was like, this is not a season finale. This is a series finale. That's exactly what I said. I agree. um, It's a storyline finale. Yeah. And, And it was the thing where I realized, I was like, oh, I didn't realize this was going to happen in this episode. I knew it would come eventually. Um and it's it's really interesting, Ken, hearing your perspective, like you're glad that there's no more Baby Yoda and there's no more Luke after this. To a certain extent, I completely understand. But on the other hand, like this sounds awful. This seems like delusional to think that there's not gonna be more fan service Star Wars shit in future episodes. Like you really think it's just gonna be like Mando going in the galaxy and meeting people we don't know. Star Wars is fan service now. <laughs> like yeah. he's going to be Billy D at some point, you know. Yes, there's there's nothing new. There's no more new. It's only things we've already seen. Which mm-hmm. at this point, it's like okay, I, I, I accept it. Like, yeah, no, I, I don't. I know we're series now. Yes, I but know. we've already seen her somewhere else. Right, but I'm saying like, I mean, she's a relatively recent addition to. Like this world of characters, and now she's like as popular as 
like Luke and Leia and, and, and Ray and everybody. But what I mean is she popped up in a show where we knew other people. So yeah, there's going to be new things, but there's never going to exist an entity in Star Wars in which we don't know at least somebody involved. And there has never been, unless I'm insane, there has never been a single Star Wars show or movie that doesn't feature a Skywalker. I mean, yeah, but it's all centered around the same conflict, which I think is the issue they ran into with the movies where they realized, oh, we can like do as many of these like uh, trilogies and spinoffs and whatever, but it's all centered around the same conflict. So they're all kind of the same movie that there isn't a huge difference to me between Han Solo and Rogue One and Last Jedi and Force Awakens. They're all kind of the same to me. Whereas like the Mar and they, they clearly want to do these like the Marvel movies, but the Marvel movies, it's like you have Ant-Man, which is, are like these heist movies. And then you have right. Guardians of the Galaxy, which are these like cosmic adventures. And then yeah. you have like Spider-Man, which is like a straightforward superhero thing. Like the Marvel movies have, uh, like they have different genres going on. And, you know, even though the movies kind of do have a bit of a homogeneity to them, mm-hmm. they at least like operate within different like realms and like have different flavors to them. But yeah. you don't really have that with the Star Wars movies. I think the only way they can do and that I think something... is to create like a new series that's set like millions of years in the future. Yeah. Can. Were you saying something, Ken? Oh, I was going to say, something that's interesting with Star Wars... Yeah, something that's interesting with Star Wars' current uh, fan service is that it really does... Um, it's almost how I see it with the Marvel fan service at times, where if you're a hardcore Marvel fan, there are things that they're going to do that you're going to notice, and Star Wars has kind of come this way, where it's like, sometimes, for example, you see a certain droid from A New Hope, or sometimes you see a certain painting from Empire Strikes Back, so... Star Wars is doing that, it feels like, more, even though Luke showed up here. I think it just, I think what it is is that I, as much as I enjoyed Baby Yoda, I always saw him as, like, a ticking time bomb in the context of, right, there's only one way this could go, and now that he's gone, I do think we're going to see more fan service in Mandalorian. I'm sure, like, the Max Rebo band or something is going to show up, or, like, Such a good so, uh, heal me, thank you. I'm sure Mando's gonna meet, like, maybe a Kaminoan, uh, like a cloning person, and it's gonna, some clone shit's gonna come up, but I do think at least, you know what, I'm okay with the fan service as long as it kind of steers away from the Jedi Sith stuff, cause I think that's where it gets really black and white and kind of, for me personally, kind of boring. I think we've, we've exhausted so much of what that conflict and those ideas are about. Where if there's fan service in other areas where we could delve deeper in areas we haven't, then I'm more excited about that. Isn't the yeah. Acolyte supposed to be that, that the new series that, that's like on the, the slate for Disney Plus, isn't that supposed to be well before all the Skywalkers? I think so. It's supposed to be, I think, 200 years in the past, but I think it's got, I'm more than sure it's going to somehow tie into all that stuff. Like Qui-Gon or someone but over there. Yeah, yeah. Originally Yoda, yeah, probably. Well, yeah. they're currently Al, what you said actually like explained a lot to me and made a lot of sense where you say that they're trying to make it like the Marvel TV shows. So the Mandalorian that we watched is kind of like watching Daredevil. And the you know, Ahsoka is kind of like the Jessica Jones or something, you know, like the, the characters that they, they spun off into other things and mm-hmm. ultimately this is all gonna lead to 
what was the thing where they all came the together? The defenders. The defenders, even though oh, that wasn't don't very remind, good. Don't remind us, please. Um, but but if it does, if if Star Wars ends up doing something like that, then it's like okay, that's fine. We're gonna have a Boba Fett show. We're gonna have a Mandalorian show. There's gonna, gonna be other ones, and then they'll all team up. Like that's fine. I guess it's like it, it was it was just like my pure like naivete to to genuinely think that like, oh, baby Yoda's the only thing that we kind of know um that's gonna connect us to the rest of the series. Like it, it was one of those things where as the scene was happening, the the end of this episode we're talking about, and I see the I saw the X Wing, I was like, oh cool, like someone's there gonna help. And then really, really slowly I was like, oh, Coop flies an X Wing. Oh, maybe it's Luke. I'm like, maybe it's not Luke. I thought oh. it was the Dave Filoni character, to be honest. With you. I'm just <laughs> like, funny. he's gonna fly in, and well, I thought they were gonna fly in. The whole re- like Republic fleet was gonna like, yeah. you know, yeah. do that thing where all of a sudden it's like, foom, 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 ship, 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 and I'm like, oh, okay, that's how they end, and they end up like going there, and then like, yeah. it, it was like it was like a slow revelation of like, oh, but like maybe it's not Luke, maybe it's someone else, and then you see he has a great green lightsaber, and then I was like, fuck. That really has to be Luke. I'm like, well, other people have green lightsabers. And then you see that he has, like, a gloved hand. And I was like, fuck, it really is Luke. <laughs> he takes it off. Something like, I've come to, yeah, I was just going to say, something I've come to accept with Star Wars is that for as much as, because it's interesting. This is where I mix with the Luke thing, where on one hand, I enjoyed it. On the other hand, seeing the way other people enjoy it kind of makes me feel weird about it. But the <laughs> flip side to that is kind of seeing that, okay, in the in the just general context of this season two of Mandalorian, there's storylines and character interactions and locations and uh instances of dialogue that I've never seen before in a Star Wars. Like I'm thinking about the way Bill Burr and Mando are talking in the cockpit of that Jeep, uh that water planet, like so many different things. So I see that and I kind of put it on a scale and I compare that to the Luke Skywalker scene where I think like, okay. But the general compromise I have to take in as a fan is get all this cool stuff, but I have to stomach maybe two to five minutes of some obvious fan service nonsense. I almost look at it as like, you know what? I don't know if fair is the word I'd use, but I could take that. Because seeing the way people are online, it's almost like Disney knows we could do whatever we want. And if we just do five to ten minutes of stuff like that, people Mm -hmm. aren't going to. Not that people won't criticize, but people will just that will satisfy enough people. So I almost think like. That's an interestingly decent trade-off, vaguely, I would say. I just, I just, I like, I, I guess I don't think I, and sorry, Ken, if I'm saying this, you know, poorly, but like, I don't, I don't see it that cynically. I, what I see it as is like this show, the way that they've done these first two seasons is like, you know, Disney takes over Star Wars and they say, all right, the original trilogy, the prequels, and Clone Wars and Rebels are canon, and everything else is le- uh, legends, I believe is what uh, they're referred to. So we are going to build everything that comes after is going to be basically bits and pieces of things that you've already seen from the, le- the, the legends, and we're going to, you know, make our own stuff, and we'll, we'll try to adapt it, whatever. That's where you get you know, Ben Solo and, 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 you know, some of the aspects of the new trilogy are, you know, kind of loose things that they, uh, loose storylines and stuff that they picked up from the books and the legends, whatever. But the rebels, 
and the Clone Wars, right? Disney isn't buying them to just make one more season of a show and, you know, maybe do a spinoff or whatever. They're saying, well, you know, this is a part of the universe. Let's introduce people to this side of Star Wars that they have not watched. You know, for people who are diehard fans like Ken and Luke, they watch these shows and they were, you know, absorbing all of this as the average Star Wars fan or even the above average Star Wars fan. I have not watched a single episode of The Clone Wars. But now I want to, because they introduced us to Ahsoka, right? Star Wars right now, I'm sorry, uh, Disney right now obviously owns Star Wars. They are doing something in the comics now. They've been, uh, they've had, they've relaunched uh, the Star Wars title in 2015. They've already done a second volume of it. Um, they have so many spinoffs and things. They introduce characters like Dr. Aphra, who's probably the most popular uh, new addition to the Star Wars universe, who uh, has been rumored to get her own show. Uh, that was the, the girl I mentioned uh, that had l- woman that had lines in a lot of uh, a lot of the scenes near and around Moff Gideon that people thought were was Dr. Afro. But what I'm trying to get to is they are doing something now called um, Project Luminous, which is uh, uh, basically the High Republic is this new chapter in the Star Wars uh, uh, universe that they are introducing across the board. It's starting with uh, a, a novel by Charles Soule, like an actual novel. Um, they're going to have young adult novels, kids' novels, comic series, and TV and movie properties. They are doing all of this, and it's all going to be linked together, and it's taking place years and years and years before the Skywalker saga. So it's almost like their version, I guess, of Knights of the Old Republic, or even earlier than that. So what I'm trying to say is, what they're doing with the Mandalorian is bridging the gap between everything that they consider canon. And they are introducing all these great stories that have already been told for years of the Clone Wars and years of Rebels. Um, and just the old films that uh, Cole has already mentioned, a lot of people have never seen. So it's making them go back and, I guess, absorb everything that is already on Disney+. Plus. So... Um, it's cynical, but not cynical at the same time of like why they're using this as like a launch pad for all of these things and connecting them and making you just like want to get more invested in the stories, right? Like introducing this older Ahsoka. I'm sure a lot of people are like, who is this fucking badass? I want to see more of this. Uh, they're going to get that with the Ahsoka series, but they can also go back and watch Clone Wars and see uh, her <laughs> beginnings, right? So I, I think. That's where I see that. I know this is not a, a stop baby over time no. moment, but that's my little rant. <laughs> I, I, I think I think that's that's really that's really fair and that's a good point. But couldn't you also do the same thing with brand new characters? Um, like I, I didn't know who Ahsoka was, but watching that episode I was like, damn, this chick's cool. Like, for all intents and purposes, she could have been brand new. She didn't have to really connect to something else and I I, I have a question I have a question I'm curious about how everybody else felt but the the like last five minutes of this finale was like a lot for me to process Mm -hmm. as it was happening because it's a combination of holy shit this is Luke he's destroying everybody like wow he's being a total badass and also this like emotional aspect of like Wow, like Mando is saying bye to Grogu and he, he took off his mask and Grogu like sees his face for the first time and it's like so emotional. 
and then the episode ends and then they're like the uh, book of boba fett and i'm like wait so is is this show going to be about Boba Fett now? And it wasn't yeah. until today that we discovered it was a new thing. And then there's like the extra thing tacked on like, oh, um, Boba Fett went back to Jabba's palace. All this, there's just so much shit going on. And while all this is happening, all I could think is like, oh, this entire Mandalorian show was just like kind of like leading up to this moment just as an excuse to have Luke in it. Like, that's what it felt like to me. Like, this was all leading up so, like, Luke could come save the day. I don't think I don't. I don't think that. I didn't feel that way either, honestly. I just felt like it was... Yeah, I, didn't I know I know why. I can... I can, I, can, I, I, I totally get, get why you say that. Because it, yeah. it feels like... It feels like a cheat. It feels like we've we've introduced yeah. this new character with Din Djarin. We're on all these new adventures. We've hinted... And that's why I said my own hypocrisy of, like, how much we love this series. Because it's all, like... We've taken the we've taken parts of the Star Wars mythology and we've we've interjected this into the outskirts or just like parts of the story of the Mandalorian. And now it's like, well, here's Luke Skywalker. My point to this will be Luke Skywalker's moment was completely overshadowed because the heart and the the soul of this show is the relationship between the Mandalorian and Grogu. And I did not give a shit if Luke's and someone who has watched the stars his whole life is like, I didn't care about Luke Skywalker standing there as much as that moment of the helmet uh, reveal. That yeah. was to me, that, that, that I think was yeah. the most emotional star Wars moment we've seen in the last 20 years, maybe outside of the Ben Solo Han Solo confrontation on the bridge. Uh, but it's it's one of the great moments. It's like it's a genuine emotional Star Wars moment we haven't had in a very very long time. Where we could sit there, a lot of us cried because it's just like it's always a face touch with Star Wars. You ever notice that it's like you know like Vader reaching out to Luke or Leia and Han and like it's it's and or Han and Ben. It's always a fucking face touch with that because it it, it's a very intimate moment and it's just like so you're seeing like him taking the helmet motioning to the helmet him taking it off him and mando full-on weeping this like stoic like cat you've said a number of times like no emotion we can't read anything here he is just like weep full Mm -hmm. weep and it's more powerful to me than any cool thing luke skywalker that was that was the episode to me but I can yeah. see why you say like we've loved this show for not playing into the typical Star Wars, the, just mm-hmm. leaning into it so hard, and that, that's why this Luke thing—it's so cool to see because it it felt because I kept saying I'm like, is it logical? Right. And it felt logical to me. To me, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Trust me. This is not a discounting for anything you said. Art in that well, that, that's exactly what I was going to ask. I just have one more question, and then I'll I'll shut up. Oh, please Is, never shut up. Do, do you never do you think, do, do you think the because I, I I I agree. I think f- for me, as like shocking as it was to see Luke, like the whole interaction with Mando and Grogu is, is really the heart of everything. But do you think that that episode could have played out exactly the same way, and maybe it was? two X-Wings and it was two random Jedi that we hadn't seen before. Cause, or at least one of them needs to be a Jedi to take Grogu. Like, 
Do you think it could have been somebody else? I think there's a very logical explanation for it being literally anyone else. But why did they choose Luke? Because they wanted to put Luke in there. Yeah, I don't think that's bad. Yeah, no, I, I, I think no, you, no, I think you could have, I think you could have got like, but I think it's the same reason I think we're saying why it couldn't have been Sebastian Stan, because we're immediately like, oh, who are these guys? that's going to be a new show. Now, th- th- those guys could have been the Rangers of the New Republic for all we know. You know what I mean? Like, I oh. think it could have, but it wouldn't have had the same way. The the same oh sh- like. I don't know if it was the cheap pop for the fans or it was the oh shit factor of it all. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, again, I still say like there's logic to it and I don't, but like, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. You could have done it with two other people, but I think it's yeah. just that Luke probably is, if we're ranking them, I guess he's the a number one Jedi out there. Right. Yeah. I'll, Cause I'll I think the logic it. aspect. Oh, sorry. Well, No, no, I was going to just say, I'll take it a step further and say that, like, it makes sense, not just because of logic, but, but, like, imagine it was someone random, like, and random to the sense of just, like, random to us, like, they'd have to fucking explain themselves about why they're about to take Baby Yoda. No, they wouldn't, because because Grogu sent out the thing. um, No, 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 not, not, not why a Jedi's here. But in the sense of why you are here, why why is this new character I know what else, about I know to what take else him saying, away? Because because what it would effectually do, it's kind of how I always saw it about Luke being almost like it was always going to happen. Is that if Luke didn't step in, considering one, it's like a species of Yoda, and two, that whole kind of like uh, you know signal he sent out to space, it would make Luke seem incompetent. So I think it's almost like it would make fans think if Luke is so powerful and like what they perceive to be powerful and he's supposed to be this kind of guardian. How is all this stuff happening? It got, it's kind of something that would bug me with the show where these big events would happen. And I'd watch and think like, okay, I'm supposed to think Luke Skywalker is a bit of a badass. It's almost kind of silly. He doesn't know what's going on. So seeing that kind of makes me reaffirm my idea that, okay, Luke Skywalker is an intelligent and powerful thing. And I was just going to add, oh yeah. I was no, go Cap, yeah, I was just going to add something interesting. I think something that adds to my... So the cynicism aspect that was brought up, Al, you were totally right. I think where that came from is that after the episode, I saw online some people say, see, this is what they should have done in the sequel trilogy. This is, like, what I wanted. And that grossed me out because I really feel like you could watch this, love it, and also love something like The Last Jedi because it's clear that it could be the same person. And... Mm-hmm. Something that really worked for me in the big moment with uh, Grogu and uh, Din Djarin saying goodbye is that as great as it's been seeing this relationship develop, I feel like us as viewers, we keep ju- we kept judging the show in the context of how that relationship developed, strictly mm-hmm. in the, ca- the aspect of character development. Yeah. So I'm actually looking forward to being able to judge the character development of Din Djarin removed from his relationship with Grogu, where now I feel like I'll be able to assess how he develops as a character wholly on the context of just him, independent of a relationship of just one character. So that's something that kind of excites me. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Cole. Go ahead. It's almost like the whole series has just been this kind of long introduction to him as a character. Mm -hmm. It like kind of starts out as like one of these spaceless Star Wars characters and then by Literally. the end, we mm-hmm. learn, like, 
it, you know, just by watching him go through this whole adventure with baby Yoda, like we learn about his humanity and like, we, like, there's definitely a lot more we can learn about him. And there's still like a lot of, I think, mystery to him, but I think we, there's like a, there's like a emotional through line now with the audience to him that we can follow into other seasons of the Mandalorian on different storylines, essentially. Also Luke's the, Luke's the shorthand explanation because if uh who's the guy we're saying like kyle 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 katane kyle, i was gonna call him kyle katane which was like kyle and tawny katane like if kyle gas from tenacious d and tawny katane had a kid he'd be a jedi knight um i listen i couldn't think of anyone else named kyle i'm sorry i just watched elf the other day um so it's just like you would have to do so much explaining and i feel like the dialogue yeah. there would have been sp- like if we thought that barroom dialogue was bad, holy shit! I think this it would have been like, "Hi, my name's Kyle Katarn." <laughs> like, put the sticker the on. Him. You can pick him up at eight. Like, like I would have accepted that. I, I know you. Oh, <laughs> Ken's like, I just, he's like, that's I, what I, was, I wanted in life. I just wanted Kyle Katarn. He's gonna show up in one of these shows, man. He absolutely. Well, is. yeah, but I also think like having you know, and we're way past the the, the point of talking about Luke, but no, not time wise. But I'm saying like. I think it like provides like a good bookend to like, or even like an epilogue to the, you know, the original trilogy of like, this is what, this is what I'm doing Mm. in the years, you know, this, the few years that have passed since um, the battle of Yavin, like I'm starting to build this, this Jedi Academy or whatever. Right. Like that's what Luke is doing now. And then we get the, we get this, because we know this already. We know that in, you know, Last Jedi, we find out about, or even uh, Force Awakens, we find out that Luke did this. He started a Jedi Academy. And, Let's and, hope and uh, Grogu got out there before Ben Solo went. Uh, well, that's the thing, too. Timing-wise, I'm pretty sure he got out there. And, Let's, you know, you know, fingers crossed, bro. But at the same time, we also <laughs> mentioned, that as we have not, we have failed to mention what uh, Din, uh, Jin, whatever his fucking name Din. is, Mando said, Din says to um, Grogu, he says, we, we'll be together again. Like, we're going to, you know, we're going to, I don't think this is the end of that. And oh, I think. He needs to give him the ball. Yeah, that was, that, that was the one thing that killed me. I'm like, you have the ball oh, in yeah. your pocket. Why didn't you give him the ball? Unless R2-D2 is the ball now. Wow. <laughs> they look similar. But I was like, I how did he not give him the ball? I will say that the uh, the necklace from the first season never came into play in the second season. Oh, I don't even remember what that is. Oh, I, I have remember. no idea what you're talking about. Right? Yeah, you know, it's... the only reason I know that is uh, Parker has a Baby Yoda toy, and it has the necklace that he can take off and you can wear himself. Like, see, oh, put, that is, put it since she does not listen closet. to podcasts, that is one of Sophie's big presents this year. She really wants it. <gasps> wow. Thanks, oh. for getting it. It has, uh, but it has it, the cup. Like the the cup that you could do the little oh the judge the, the judgment cup the judgment cup yeah but it's and a frog uh, that he but it, it it's it's it, it's right like that that you don't see that necklace back but man that moment is just like it to me just outweighs everything and it's just like if you didn't yeah. if you didn't have a if you had a dry eye during that God bless you man because you're yeah. you're a much stronger human than I am that that moment was so beautiful that it made me wish. That this was a limited series. Same. Only 10 or 12 episodes. Yeah. And yeah, we still have like our side adventures and it starts and then it ends. 
and then it's over. Hard because district. to me, I think that it was a complete arc of the show in that the show is called The Mandalorian, and we saw a complete arc of The Mandalorian. He right. starts out as this bounty hunter killing bitches, doesn't give a shit about anything, refuses to take off his mask. <laughs> the phrase I never thought I'd hear you utter. I muted myself. I muted myself. I laughed so hard. Uh, just, uh, very casual saying, you know, killing bitches. You know, just whatever. He does all this thing. He refuses to take off his mask. He has all these rules, these things. He lives by this creed. And all of that slowly just falls away because he falls in love with this baby alien and they go on adventures. And then at the end, he strips himself of his armor and he shows emotion. And also he doesn't kill people who I think he could have and should have killed because he doesn't care. He doesn't care about killing Moff Gideon. He just wants to get baby Yoda and leave. And to me, it's like beautiful. We saw a beginning, a middle and end, and now it's over, but it's not. And that was, using to me that's very interesting cat that you bring that up too we can talk about this as we're going into uh the final segment uh, is this the way where we judge uh each episode of season two of the mandalorian uh from zero to 12 parsecs and and cat i can always bring it to you and get your review in a second but i guess the question i want to bring up is where do we go from here because there's a you know there's a lot of listen there's good a question Nicolato. I feel like, and I feel like Cole might have, uh, you know, maybe some more ideas for this, but let me just set you guys up a little bit. So obviously we have, uh, three million new shows and spinoffs that are coming out of this, but let's just talk about where we're left off here. Moff Gideon is still alive. Baby Yoda has gone away to get trained by Master Luke Skywalker. Um, and then we have, you know, kind of the elephant in the room. Mando is in possession of the Darksaber. He is the rightful, I guess, heir to Mandalore, and can you can correct me on that. But now we have conflict between Mando and Bo-Katan. Um, you know, and, you know, Moff Gideon's still alive, guys. So, you know, he's definitely escaping. So there's a lot that can actually happen in future seasons. And as mentioned previously... He says it to himself, this is not the last time we're seeing each other. So there has to be a reason for them to reunite. So uh, I will throw it to Cole, because uh, Kat has left the building. But we'll talk to Cole real quick. Cole, um, your overall review of the episode, maybe you can also give the season a Parsec review as well. And then where do we go from here? Oh, wow. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> He's like, oh, well, <laughs> seven questions in one. All right. Yeah. Um it's three, but fine. Uh, I love the episode. I think it's one of the best ones of the season. I, uh, the whole season overall, I thought I, I really liked the first season a lot. Like to me, that was like the sort of Star Wars content I wanted, but never really got in the movies. And that was very satisfying. And then this one to me was even better. And I, I mean, they, for this whole season, they hardly took a wrong step for me. I mean, even the one that I, I guess everyone doesn't like, the the one with the, the ice spiders, that was like my favorite one almost. Same. Because the I, I, woman? Yeah, the lady, problem, man. But, but just it, it it was just the sort of thing I, I've been wanting to see in this world where they're just kind of like riffing on different genres. And that one to me felt like 
like a Ridley Scott movie set in uh, set in Star Wars. Also, as you pointed out, Children of Men. Yes. <laughs> Which, Great yeah, reference. like like I love that, and I I I love the whole trajectory of of the show. I I kind of understand why it might be like confusing to see to wonder like, well, why why was this sixteen episodes? Why did it need to be? this long but to me it, it was like almost like the perfect amount for it to have been like a substantial journey for the characters without overstaying its welcome like i'll compare it to like the marvel netflix shows which each season of that were like 13 episodes and i feel like all of those could have been i mean i felt like they had like maybe like five episodes worth of story and then the rest of it was just filler and there was definitely some filler episodes of of the Mandalorian, like the, uh, a lot of people have said that the frog woman episode was a filler episode. And it is, it doesn't really have a huge uh, impact on like the overall storyline. Although it is where we get the theme that plays when they say goodbye to each other yeah, at the amazing. end, which is important. I think you also uh, get the Rangers introduction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, even that wasn't, wasn't a waste. And, and every episode of this series felt unique to me like every like i can even though like there's like some details i can't remember and like i'll definitely have to watch you know do like a whole series rewatch to kind of get the whole scope of the story and everything that, that they did um like every episode to me felt uh very unique very you know like kind of like one-off stories but also like part of a bigger storyline and and i like that and i i thought the series was a perfect one it reminded me the whole time watching it of uh, Samurai Jack, which I don't know if you guys have. Yes. Yeah, that, this show to <laughs> me felt like that. Yes. Samurai Jack, <laughs> so which it, I, what I was going to say, it's funny that you mentioned that you you your love for the passenger and your love for this episode, both directed by Peyton Reed. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, he he's, great. It. he's great. He's great. Um, excellent. Yeah, no, the yeah the the series reminded me of Samurai Jack in that. It was, you know, five seasons. That was five seasons of a show. It was like 50 something episodes. The whole plot of the show is just Jack trying to find a way back to the past to defeat Haku. That, that's, that's the whole plot. There is no other plot to the show. And then otherwise, every episode was just a one off adventure of him, like exploring this crazy new world. Like he's coming from feudal Japan and now he's in like this weird cyberpunk future. And like every episode was like a different genre. Every episode was like a different adventure that, that uh, brought him like a little bit closer to his end goal, but also sometimes to be like one step forward, three steps back kind of a thing. And I felt like that's what this show was going for, but in a much more condensed way. And also, a much more uh, satisfying ending than, unfortunately, Samurai Jack had, which, even though it had, like, a fantastic final season, it had a final episode that I well, think totally with it. We don't know that. Mandalorian's not over. Well, no, no, that's why, in regards to the storyline, though, of him with mm-hmm. Baby Yoda, like, to me, the whole plot of this whole season, uh, of this whole series so far is he's been trying to return Baby Yoda. The first season was him figuring out, like, Okay, like, what is Baby Yoda like? What's so, his deal? So, how many parsecs out of twelve? Uh, for for what the whole show? For the season, or See, yes, for the for Let's the do, episode uh, and episode then the season. season. Uh, I'd say eleven parsecs for the episode, just because 
I, I didn't really care about the dark saber stuff and and all that kind of business. Like that to me didn't really like interest me. Though like that's kind of getting into the, the Star lore. Wars minutia that doesn't interest me. Um but everything else I thought was excellent. I thought uh the opening scene with those uh those fucking scumbags that, that <laughs> with the scientists I thought were excellent. Like that guy kills his partner yeah. without hesitation. <laughs> yeah. um, the the dark the dark Super Republicans. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, it was the, so ironic that Cara Dune killed a guy who was like super conservative. I know. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I love the fight with, with Mando and the, and the dark troopers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought I love, I love when they were like trapped in, in the, in the room with Moff Gideon. And he's like, I think we all know after a Valiant fight, only me and the child will be left alive. And then there's like this, you know, they're, they're like pounding through the door. There's like incredible buildup. And then that's when Luke comes in and then there's incredible buildup for that. I thought, I I just loved how they took their time with this episode to like build up moments. So what about the season? The season, I would say probably Ted Parsecs. There was one episode I fell asleep at. It was the, one with Gina Carano and Carl Weathers. I, I yeah. still haven't actually watched that episode. That's a yeah. pretty decent episode. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I'm sure it is. I just never got around to finishing it. And yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love the first episode with Timothy Oliphantastic. I mean, like that to me, I was like, oh my god, this was the best episode of the series so far. And then the next episode with the Ice Spiders came, and I was like, wow, I like that just as much, mm-hmm. possibly more. Um, and then, yeah, it just hasn't let me down really at any point. It's continually give, giving me what I've wanted to see in Star Wars, which is just like genre yeah. The whole series has just been uh, Lone Wolf and Cub and The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. It, it's just all that classic stuff that kind of influenced the original Star Wars, and they're, they're taking it and doing their own sort of version of that, which is – what I like a lot. And it's that, like the and, and next you know? and next December, December we get uh, Sopranos in space. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just thought we were getting the Star Wars equivalent of the Book of Eli. Cat. Oh, what is the? Oh, what is your? Uh, it's not a bad movie. I, I I wish James Gandolfini was still alive to be a Star Wars character. He, he would. So he would in a heartbeat. Would be perfect. Be. He would have been incredible. Oh. But he's had like a New Jersey accent. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He'd, he'd be like, uh, think, you know, that uh, me and the child will be the last ones left alive. He somehow has a scarlet R on his and his and his and his gear somewhere for Rutgers because he always did that shit. I thought I was like I was like when they get into the the planet with all the smokestacks. Originally, I'm like, oh, geez, that's like Favreau's nod to the Sopranos opening sequence right there. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe maybe you'll play like Java's brother like Gabagool the Hut. <laughs> wow. Gabagool the Hut. Wow. I'm not as good as Pizza the Hut, but you know, still. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you guys. No, I just wish um, John Candy was alive to be Barf in this series. That would be great. Oh my god! Imagine they made that canon. Anyway, cat. Oh, fuck who? Uh, same question applies. Uh, you just, you know, your overall thoughts. Uh, one space. Rating, rating, rating for uh, this episode. Rating for the season, and then uh, I guess where do you think we're going from here? Because uh, Cole did not mention that. <laughs> I don't know where we're going from here. I, th- I think Ken 
uh, is completely right in that, like, this ser- the, the, this ending to this arc or this yeah. storyline leaves it open, and that's what's kind of exciting about it. It can really go anywhere. Like, obviously, I think something to do with the dark saber, but I'm hoping that's not, like, you know, the whole thing of it. I think that would be kind of lame. But, yeah, they could really do anything. Well, they took Baby Yoda's blood, which means they got all those midichlorians, which means clones. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what do I think? I uh, thought midichlorians were found in the balls. Isn't that the, isn't that the meme? <laughs> do you ever hear that meme? No. Because oh, you never heard no, that? No, explain no. the whole damn thing to us. Oh, you, you never heard that? Just come you up. never heard of that? That doesn't make no. sense. They're, they're a female Jedi. I know, but the, the the meme was like oh, uh, the, the the meme was like the force can be in any like the it was like anyone could be a Jedi uh, was like what Ryan Johnson proclaimed in the Last Jedi, and then JJ Abrams basically said that you basically have to be related to someone. Oh, I see. Uh. Yes, <laughs> I see. So there was a meme. What, what a meme! Like, uh, it was like Ryan Johnson, like anyone could be a Jedi, and then J.J. Abrams' midichlorians are found in the balls. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say. It. Anyway, Kat, didn't mean to slow you down. Uh, ratings for the episodes, and where do you think we're going next? Um, <clears throat> my rating for this episode would probably be nine out of twelve parsecs. There were things I loved. Loved the dark troopers. Loved uh, so much tension. I was uh, waiting for, like, Baby Yoda to, like, murder Moff Gideon, but that didn't happen. <laughs> well, that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, it would have been lit. I know. But I've, I've just come to terms with the fact that I need to stop trying to write the show that I'm watching and just let it happen, because then I end up disappointed when it doesn't... I'm always telling people that. I know. I feel like people are disappointed because they they do exactly what you just said. They write... Yes. What they're expect- and then when it doesn't do what they expect, then they get pissed off. Well, I, I take I the it. opposite thing. I think, Kat, you should start writing scripts. John Favreau, fucking get on this. Get Kat on the writing staff, and let's make this happen. That's true. Uh, John Favreau, you could email me at... No, don't. Um, but, uh, but ironically... Uh, I was disappointed in this sh- in this episode because it went exactly where I thought it was going to. I was like, oh, it's just all leading up to Luke saving the day, which is what happened. But whatever. Actually, it was fine. It was very nice. Um, I think that Disney CGI is improving. That's something to, to champion. Um, uh, I love Baby Yoda, and I understand why it's better that he's not in the show because this is not it's about him. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I will say though that I thought that season two was better than season one. Um, almost every episode was excellent and great. I'm forever the biggest fan of that frog woman. Like she's so (laughs) fucking cool. And that episode was amazing. Even though those spiders were disgusting. Um, a lot of cool characters, um, I feel like finally we learned more about Mando. He's not just kind of this um, um, cipher or this character that we project information on. And, you know, what? something none of us have ever talked about, but I want to talk about right now is that the best decision made about this show and the best thing that Star Wars and Disney Plus have done is putting these episodes up one at a time. Yes. 
once a week instead of just dumping all this you shit. Stole because... all my thunder, man. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, no. <laughs> keep going. It's fine. Uh, binging everything in a week is stupid because it's uh, you watch it all, you immediately forget it, and we all talk about it for two weeks, and then we never talk about it again. So I like that they're doing that. It made every episode that much more exciting. Um, for the whole season, I would give ten and a half parsecs out of twelve. Thought it was excellent. Um, a lot of episodes that I'd want to go back to and rewatch. Um, where it's going from here, I have no fucking idea. Um, I don't know, but I anticipate characters we've already seen. I'm anticipating, uh, I don't know, Samuel Jackson. Who, who, who is alive? Oh, remember when we saw the X-Wing? You're like, it's Admiral Akbar. <laughs> Holy shit. That would have been amazing. Imagine he comes in guns a-blazing. That would have been amazing. Amazing. Oh I would have loved it. You know, imagine Admiral Akbar just fucking whips out like a, a fucking lightsaber I'm like, oh my god this is the greatest show of all time dude it's just like saves 2020 right there yes um yeah Ken, where uh the same question applies parsec ratings episodes Stra- seasons Stra- and where strap are we yourselves in kid this right, kid this is gonna be a long soliloquy there we oh, go so so, so i feel very similarly as to cole and i guess what else i'll start with is that for me, Star Wars has always been the big thing that I've liked, and the big reason why is when I was first introduced to it, my reaction wasn't so much like, oh, this cool laser sword and this Jedi and all this stuff. It was really just like, what is this world and this universe? I want to know more about it, and I want to see it expanded, and that's been my biggest hope. Uh I've wanted a Star Wars TV show since I was a little kid, so Mandalorian is literally like almost, it's wetting that appetite really well for me. Um, interestingly enough, and I'm going to do something that's going to be funny. People are only listening, so they can't see us, but I'm going to say some stuff that's going to make Kat's face go like, oh no, then I'm going to turn around and make her go like, oh yeah. So it's going to be really funny. (laughs) So we know that the book of Boba Fett is its own separate show that takes place at the same time in the old EU. The way the galactic citizens feel about Mandalorians is they typically don't like them. They view the Mandalorians as like a warring race that always brings trouble, except for Boba Fett, because he technically isn't one. And he's also like, you know, popular as being a feared bounty hunter. What happens in the old EU is it becomes a big battle for Mandalore amongst a bunch of surviving Mandalorians. And Boba Fett out of nowhere gets involved to just spite them because he hates them. So Boba Fett takes that kind of popularity and that admiration he has and tries to make a go for Mandalore, even though he never had an attachment to it, just because he knows it would piss off other Mandalorians. I have a weird feeling thinking that that's where this might potentially go, where when it becomes a big battle for Mandalore, Boba Fett will make a go for it. And that's going to be kind of like the rising action with this whole book of Boba Fett show of him growing his underworld. That aside, which is its own can of worms there, is that I think what Star Wars is at its best, and I'll use Ahsoka as an example, is that when you guys end up watching the Clone Wars and Rebels, what's really interesting about her character is that even though she's inexplicably tied to the Skywalkers, 
the thing, the experiences that make her interesting as a character is relatively divorced from them. And I think that's, this is what's a good example of what Mandalorian does, where yes, there's like X-Wings, yes, there's a Skywalker, yes, there's Force and all this stuff, but all the interesting, great things, it's not because of these things that orbit around it. They just happen to be there. So I see something that we've talked at length where, you know, Mando and Grogu say goodbye. Even though Luke is, you know, at the center of that, it's not only because of him. It's also because of everything that happened prior. And yeah, I love seeing that in Star Wars. I think Star Wars is at its best when it's like expanding things. I think that's what this whole season has done. And before we are now, it can literally go anywhere. And that really excites me. So I would give this episode an 11 out of 12. A big reason why is because, like, you know, I'm not going to lie. Seeing that green lightsaber swinging about really did tickle my inner teenage kid. And I would give the season an 11 out of uh, 12 as well because it is better than the first season. I feel more emotionally invested. I think the fact that we have so many Star Wars shows that are in production it just goes to show that they are going to expand it. And that's what I've always wanted. If, if there needs to be like five or 10 minutes of Jedi Skywalker stuff, I could take that if I'm going to get hours that have nothing to do with any of that. And that seems to be where we're going. So I'm excited. And also I'm a big piloting flying fan. And the fact we're getting a rogue squadron movie, sign me the fuck up. With Patty yeah. Jenkins behind it. Oh, hell yeah, man. It's really awesome. Bill. Oh, man. So, like Kat said, like, this show, to me, just reinforces the fact that binging stuff, I don't know, gang, I don't know if we need to do it that much anymore if your show's good. Like, someone said, what, what's better, dominating the week-to-week pop culture conversation or dominating a weekend? And, like, and someone was saying this in regards to Stranger Things. It's like Stranger Things, like the first season dominated like a month. But then after that, it was like a weekend. But with The Mandalorian, we're talking about it. We're obsessing about it every week. We have, we've dedicated how many weeks of this podcast just to this one show. It's been an absolute joy to watch every single week. And not like anyone I who employs me listens to this podcast, but I literally stop working just to watch this podcast every Friday morning. I'm sorry, listen to this, watch this show every Friday morning. You should listen to this podcast every time it drops, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's, I do the same thing, Bill. I, hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. And it's like this episode to me was the calm, was the crystallization of everything that makes this show good. Big action, big effects, but at the heart, you know, ties back into everything that we've grown up with with Star Wars or we've seen with Star Wars over the last four to five decades. Um, And but at the heart of it is a true emotional core that can literally render thousands of people to tears, which not a lot of shows can do. In a, in a way that doesn't feel cheap and doesn't feel, you know, like, uh, I was going to say tawdry, but that's the wrong word, but like um, superficial, like it's going for the cheap tears. You know what I mean? It was a real emotional, well-written, well-developed arc that paid off in a logical way that you felt. 
and at the same time still gives you like the cutest character on the face of the planet and you know brings you back to Luke Skywalker and does all this stuff it's great so for me the episode like 10 it's 11 out of 12 for me um I had some lot the Bo-Katan stuff really was the logic gaps for me where I'm like okay guys we did not we didn't think this part of the episode out but I also think that is the that is where season three is going to take us. So it's the the throne of Mandalore will be the future of this series. I don't know how in depth it'll be, but I think we're we're, we're not bringing Bo-Katan and an actress of Katie Sackhoff's stature within the world of sci-fi in just for two episodes and then she bows out. I think she's going to be a big part of the show, and I'm here for it. Uh, as for the season, I give it an 11 and a half out of 12. This, like I said, this brought me this, I mean, leaps and bounds better than season one, even though I love season one, I thought every single week was just like, how can they top what I just saw? Oh, they just did. Even last week with Mayfeld, like we had this whole diversion episode where we give this random character from season one a redemption arc. It was awesome. It was, it was, it was, it was such a good well-written, sincere story. And that, and, and like, it's just like, we, it, it didn't add a ton to the overarching plot, but it was still really good. And we cared about it and we were into it. And I think like we're investing more emotionally into these television characters. than I think we did in a lot of characters we saw in the last three movies, you know, we all love yeah. Ray. I mean, that's a given. I think that's a given. We all love Ray. And I can't tell you that Sophie freaked out when she waved at her at Hollywood Studios last year. But I could say, like, we loved Ray, but it was just like we, you know, everyone else, you know, maybe not. We didn't really connect with. But it's like with Mando and with even Mayfeld, like at this random character, we really felt it for him. We really got behind him. And that's great writing. I love the the mixing up of the different directors this year, we resurrected what should have been the dumbest crowbar of any character of trying to resurrect Boba Fett. We should have, that should have been a terrible episode and a terrible story, but it worked. And now we're getting a whole spinoff series and we're like, yes, <laughs> yes. Space Sopranos with Boba Fett. Like that. And, and that's, that speaks volumes of just the, the greatness of this show. And I like the fact we're not going to go right into that show ne- next year. They're taking their time, hopefully, writing out a good script, and we're gonna we're gonna get another ep- we're gonna get another season a year or two, and it'll be awesome. That's what I'm hoping for. So eleven for the uh, episode, eleven and a half for the season. And I think we go to Mand. I think we're battling for Mandalore in season three. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm gonna give. Uh, I'm going to give the same exact rating as Bill. I think uh, the episode itself, That's what which uh, funny, funny enough has a 9.9 on IMDb. I'm what? sure it is basically, yeah, it is like universally it's, beloved, it's just the except for point one. It, it's the freak out effect. I mean, I had people texting me during the episode who are like yeah. diehard Star Wars fans who are like, I know that lightsaber. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! And I'm just like yeah. these people who are texting me. This are not the people who freak out at stuff. And I'm like, this is resonating with people like the movies never did. I, I just think the overall episode was just fucking awesome in in every way, and it was a very satisfying conclusion. And it's just a uh, you know, at the heart of it is that 
is that uh, culmination of two seasons of character development that we were complaining about earlier in, in the season. Of like, where, when, when are we going to start caring about Mando? When are we going to start caring? Ab- when is he going to start giving a shit about something? And he did, and he does, and it's it's Grogu, and and just seeing that and that payoff of not just you know the amazing Luke Hallway fight. Uh, the, the the death tro- you know the the dark troopers sorry I was the death troopers dark troopers um, and then that moment where he lifts his helmet breaking his code uh, you know we saw it to uh you know uh, an episode earlier with with Mayfeld and having to do it in in a crisis mode but the showing himself to someone else that yeah, bond not, like and not hesitating really not hesitating no it was just like I, I might never see him again i have to show him how much he means to me and that was so heartbreaking for me and and in terms of the season i think and take this how you will but the mandalorian has showed what happens when you can do fan service right in yeah. a sense right so you know we saw how it could be muddled or go wrong in the with the new trilogy, but I feel like this is the proper way to do fan service because it's not it's fan service, but it's at the same time it's just you know two really great storytellers who want to continue t- talking about the things they love and the things that they help build. Where you know coming to with uh, Filoni, and for me personally, where you get Space Raylan Givens, the return of Boba Fett, <laughs> Luke Skywalker. And fucking Grogu, oh, and Ahsoka, all in one season. I, I mean, what is better than that? Like, I just was so happy every week to watch the show. I was giddy, like it was Christmas morning every time I got to watch the show. And I don't think there's a higher compliment than that. Um, I just absolutely adore it. And where, where I want to see it go, I've touched on it before. I think um, all all roads lead to Mandalore. Um, but I do, and, and this going back to like what Cole and, and Kat were saying, like I want to see more just like cool fucking space western episodes and uh, genre bending stuff. Bring in more cool directors. I want to see an Edgar Wright directed Star Wars. Oh yeah, shut your butt. Because that would be amazing and a cool little redemption arc for you know his his uh, you know shitty time that he had with Marvel. Maybe maybe he's still. Uh, you know, uh, you know, got bad blood between him and Disney, but I just think that would be really cool. And I want to see more, you know, there's, there's more directors out there than the ones that we've already seen. And we already saw with Bryce Dallas Howard, like, Oh, so people good. and Carl Weathers who could be great directors. Let's, let's see more of that. Like that would be fun. Werner Herzog as oh. actor and director. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be cool as hell. Yeah. I can have Mark Hamill direct. I just, it's like that. Movie where he has to like uh, push the boat up a he- up a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just I just realized something as you were talking out. By the way, what was that? In regards to uh, yeah, in regards to where the next season can go. So we remember that one of the bartering elements is that um Katie Sackoff, uh, well Bo-Katan, she also wanted the ship for her eventual siege on Mandalore. When we watched the episode and Mando and Moff Gideon are talking amongst each other and Mando's willing to sell out Bo-Katan for the kid. I'm, if I remember correctly, Bo-Katan's already in the cockpit and she realistically could be watching that happening in a camera feed in live, t- like live time. 
And I think that could play a role in season three where even though everything is seemingly cool with her and Mando, she could be in the back of her head thinking, you were willing to sell me out, so I can never trust you anywhere. Yeah, I, I, that's, I think you're, you're even taking it a step further than the writers did, and I think that would have been pretty smart to have her see it, but I think it takes away from the where's Moff Gideon, or no, you know, yeah. uh, well, or, I mean, you know what, think- what happened? Like, I think she was so angry. I think it could be added drama for what happens next in the context of, like, this fight. Because even though this, we now know it's seemingly going to be about retaking Mandalore, I don't think it's going to be as simple as Mando is going to be on one side and it's going to be smooth sailing. I think there's going to be some drama there. I think that's one of those obvious routes to go where it's like, you know, he doesn't have allegiance to anyone. And from what we've seen, he only has allegiance to Grogu, who is now gone. So... Where that leaves him now is he does have to protect himself so he can eventually get back to Grogu someday, but that's going to be a bigger task on its own. It's almost kind of like, you know, it's always interesting talking to you, um, Al, and you, Bill, as fathers, because I know this from other fathers when they talk is that they almost see it that when they leave, um, when they leave a home to go to work, there's this big understanding that all they have to do at the end of the day is eventually get home back to their kid. And I can almost see that this series might even de-utilize that and resonate with people, because I think that's something that's weirdly common for people to feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a great it's a great point. And, like, I think that's why it was so important for him to say, like, I will, you know, we'll, we'll see each other again. Like, you know, they've already announced all of these kind of spinoffs and stuff. There's no reason why they don't do a time jump. Like, they could they could do that if they want. You know, there's nothing really, there's nothing really tying them to do that. And I'd love to see like, (laughs) like teen, teen Grogu. Like we got, you know, this is basically baby, baby group. You know, we got baby group in the future though. Yeah. I I have one, I have one unresolved question about, about Grogu. Does he speak in strange syntax like Yoda? Or is that a Yoda thing? That's like a great question. Like, I, I didn't think this would happen, but I thought it was, we were joking about this, was that if he took off his helmet and, and then Baby Yoda's like, cool dude you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a funny story. I thought it would have been amazing if, uh, if the Mandalorian said, you're a cool little dude. <laughs> <laughs> you're a cool little So dude. funny story, in the old EU, there was a female version of Yoda named Yaddle, another yeah. Jedi. We talked about this last time. Mm-hmm. And she didn't speak in the Yoda syntax thing, but in a video game, Knights of the Old Republic, that takes place like thousands of years prior to all the stars. So there's a member of Yoda species who's on the Jedi Council then, and he speaks in the weird Yoda thing. So I think it's like whenever, maybe it's a male thing. Maybe yeah. the males do and the females don't. Or maybe dudes are dumb. Yeah. I got that. You speak backwards, yes. Or maybe they're from, like, the Boston of Yoda's planet. <laughs> we already got Southie Space Trash with Mayfeld. Amazing. He's just like, hey, I gotta shoot some fucking Imperial Troopers. Yeah, <laughs> love that. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, sadly, that is going to do it for our review of The Mandalorian Season 2. I want to thank... Everyone who's been on the last uh, eight episodes, uh, all the guests that we've had, uh, but I I can't stress this enough. Thank you so much, Ken, 
for joining us. Uh, for for someone who had never been on the pod, uh, you joined us for most of the episodes. It was it was so great to have you. We're not ending it here. Obviously, oh, we're going to be talking. We have a little more to talk about. I just want to say, uh, and of course, Kat and Cole are our resident, uh, basically third and fourth host of this podcast for joining us on a, a bunch of these episodes as well. Because we had a lot of fun. This was such a nice, you know change of pace because the whole concept of this show was uh bill and i are trapped inside and we uh need to just vent and talk and and not think about what is happening around the world and it was great to just talk to our friends during this time because this show started off as gonna just be me and him and we, we kind of thought that was what it was going to be and it evolved into something else um so you know we, we love you all, and thank you guys so much for, for joining on this. And for everyone who has listened, thank you in advance. Uh, we'll say some thank yous as well at the end. But we are skipping the music part of Mando and Music, and uh, we oh, had a, something. I had such a great we, pick this week, too. You know what? Throw it in the description, Bill. Oh, you guys really did? All right. How about this? No explanation, just rapid-fire um, music. music. Christmas music picks. I do have one. Um, it is um, Christmas Saves the Year by 21 Pilots. It's a brand new uh, Christmas song. Very uh, upbeat. I like it. I'm a big fan of it. Um, but uh, Cole, go. Uh, wait, it needs to be a Christmas song? No, just no it could be whatever. I, the music I listen to, I listen to the whole soundtrack for The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah, that was good. Good call. It was good excellent. Work. Ludwig Goranson, amazing. Ludwig Goranson. Excellent. Honestly, I was I was probably going to say him too. I've been listening to some of his work. Um, for we could discuss on a completely other podcast, but he also did the music for Tenant. Um, Ugh. just rewatched it. Still need to watch it. Um, it's it's just very. I'm so impressed. Great music. Um, I'm I'm so impressed by him because he has. I mean, he did the music for Black Panther. He won an Oscar for it. Like he's he's so so cool with how he approaches things. And specifically, I read an interview with him with like basically imagine someone coming to you and saying like, okay, make Star Wars music, um, but don't sound like John Williams, but do. Um, and it just it was just so interesting. So um, yeah. I think he talked he's, about that in Vulture. So read that amazing. article. And also he he has a name like um, like he could have belonged alongside Beethoven and oh yeah, Bach. well yeah uh, because he's Swedish. There is a whole episode of uh, I, th- I believe in Disney Gallery Mandalorian season one with him. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's interested, Gallery season two should be premiering on Christmas Day unless they changed it. It's not season two. So uh, so here it is. Uh, apparently, it's just a special. It's just a special. Mm-hmm. It's just a special because they couldn't do the in-person stuff. So I think oh, it's yeah. like a – so I think it's just – it's not a whole season. I think it's just a special on it. Yeah. Busy day on but Christmas st- Day for streaming stuff. Jesus Christ. I don't know where to start first. Um, but uh, uh, so, Kat, did you have a music pick or is that – that was that was mine. Got it, uh, Bill. I know you want to say yours, so go real quick. Oh, come to me last. All right, Ken, go. Um, I am super late to this uh, this year, but it's largely due to Disney Plus that I caught up with the rest of the world. But one of the best things about 2020 is I found myself falling in love with Hamilton. Uh, on my Spotify wrap up, it is my most listened to thing of 2020, which is why I didn't put my wrap up 
on social media because it just makes me look like a basic bitch. But yeah, I would highly recommend Anything people listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> I would recommend people listen to the Hamilton soundtrack. And yes, I say the soundtrack. Not one song, not two songs, the whole thing. The whole Is thing. it a couple album? Yes. Will it breeze by? Absolutely. Will you have all the songs stuck in your head? You betcha. The Hamilton yeah. soundtrack. It is really great. That's, that's a great. I love that commercial that you just did for the uh, Hamilton soundtrack. Uh, Bill. Um, mine is going to be uh, the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. Uh, to me, Amazing. I think it's the greatest Christmas song of all time. And I don't give a shit what you said, Al. I can break the rules around the site. Is uh, this song is something I grew up with um, listening to in my house um, on vinyl because my parents decided Christmas Eve is always the great best day to put up the tree and decorations, which I hated that tradition. But uh, uh, it's every best piece of nostalgia for me. It reminds me of Christmas with my dad, who this will be the 10th Christmas I don't have him for. But it doesn't make me sad. It makes me extremely happy. It reminds me of all the good times we had together. And it reminds me of all the present good times that I've had with with my family in Christmas and all our traditions and, and hopeful for the future, for future Christmases. And it was always my kickoff song as DJ Father Christmas. Uh, unfortunately, we did not get to do a Christmas tree show this year in Asbury Park, but we will be returning bigger and better than ever in 2021, for sure. Well, as long as um, everything's safe and awesome and good. <laughs> That song always – I love that song. It is a great it's Christmas song. But it also also reminds me of the saddest moment from one of my favorite movies, Catch Me If You Can. So it, it really – it hits – it hits. It's yeah, it can, it can definitely be sad. And that can go yeah. – I think we we kind of forget how much of a great singer he was. It's it's insane. Like, you know, there's there's so many – there's a, like a, a finite amount of Christmas songs that, like, shouldn't be covered – and like I always think that's one of them. Sinatra, no one, Sinatra covered it. Sinatra's close. Sinatra's the only close one, but he, that, he sang it, and I was just like, "Oh, this is good." Not as good as Nat King Cole, yeah, because to me that that was that was perfect. So, yeah, um, but yeah, so those are our music picks that we were going to skip, but we didn't. Um, I'm we're going to end the episode with something pretty fun, uh, but let's really quick let's do our plugs. Um, you know, uh, Bill, where can everyone find you? I started with you first, just to piss you off. I obviously didn't. Uh, ThePopBreak.com. Uh, I don't care if you follow me on Twitter. I mean, honestly, I don't tweet anything great. It's all wrestling. Uh, so go to ThePopBreak.com every day, every single day. We we have so many people who work so hard throughout the year just putting out great content. Uh, check it out. It, it, it There's a lot of really cool stuff. We just put up uh, an interview with David Papose, who is a comic book creator, Rachel Freeman, who was on two episodes ago or maybe an ep- no, one episode ago. She did that interview. Uh, we've got a great podcast that you can follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Anchor, uh, like the Socially Distanced Podcast, which, you know, obviously we're ending the show this year, but we're coming back next year. We have Pop Break TV on all those. And also check out uh, the Breakcast, which is on uh, um, SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at popbreak.com, all spelled out, forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook. And at the Pop Break on Instagram, which hopefully will be populating in 2021 when the concerts can hopefully safely return to us. And, um, yeah, just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Love you guys for, for checking us out. Thousands of hours of us just 
talking bullshit. I was probably drunk for half of it. So thanks. Cat <laughs> uh, and Cole. Um, you can find me at on Twitter at cat underscore wild. That's cat with a K, wild with an E. Um, you could also find me at Letterboxd with the same handle. Um, also, uh, people contributing to the best songs or their favorite songs of 2020 should be going up on the site soon. Al, you should contribute uh, to that. Sure, yeah, sure. Al, you should contribute to that. It's two um, cents. And, and we're going to make a, a playlist out of it so you could hear everyone's favorite songs from the year. Yep. That's my answer. I think I have my pick, too. It's Phoenix. Uh, and if you want to reach Cole, you'll have to go through me and fight me in a battle to the death. Yeah. Excellent. Love it. One of my favorite one of my favorite couples. I always love having Cole on the podcast, especially on video, when I can see what delicious desserts he's eating. <laughs> Ken, where can people find you and your lovely podcast? Uh, well, first, I want to thank both you and Bill and also Kat for having me on. This has been so much fun. I rarely get the chance to geek out about things I love, especially Star Wars. So this has been just a pure joy for me. So thanks. You're literally Absolutely. in another country joining us. So thank you. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah oh, my God. It's like three o'clock in the morning. Oh, geez, I'm and I'm going to be asleep until noon. You betcha. Oh, it's <laughs> I'll be asleep till noon. I've had that but, job um, before. <laughs> but yeah uh you can find me on instagram and twitter i love getting a chance to say this so i shall yeah i am under konami photo that is k-e-n-a-m-i and photo spelt the american way <laughs> you can also find my podcast the new exchange on all the streaming platforms and something exciting to share is that i'm currently working on season two but by the time this goes up there will be a surprise bonus episode out to celebrate the holiday. Woo! Uh, with a lovely group from Brooklyn called Gracie and Rachel. Uh, they're really amazing. That'll be dropping on the 22nd, which is, you know, by the time this episode goes up, you could go stream that. So go stream the most recent episode of the podcast as well as all of season one. And season two will be coming out in February, most likely like the later half in February. Like, you know, when movies say coming out in May, that's like the last week of May. It's going to be like that, but you'll enjoy it. I would yeah, just like we'll I would just like to update everyone that our podcast editor Lucas P. Jones finally watched the episode and he said, Thank "Yo, God. that was wild." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. So you can find oh, thanks me at to Al Lucas, Man. by the way. Yes, I was gonna say that, but I'll say that at the end. Um, because he's gonna he's gonna thank me for the end of this episode. So, uh, real quick, you can find me at Al Manorino on Twitter and at Al Manorino on Instagram. And I actually have something somewhat to promote. Um, I've taken it upon myself to uh, give me a like task for 2021. And because we are so um, absent of live music and um, just haven't really been taking as much photos as I've been wanting to, uh, I have decided to. Uh, post a uh, an old photo, old concert photo, old uh, cosplay photo, uh, once a day for 365 days. So I'm taking this upon myself to post on my Instagram um, every day. Uh, I don't know why I've done this to myself, but I've uh, it's happening. So 
Uh, you'll see three uh, that you can follow the hashtag. I think three three six five days of photos. I think is, the, is what I ended up with, but I'm going to be posting every day at Alamanarino. Uh, you'll see stuff, a lot of stuff that I've done for the pop break over the years, um, and all the various other outlets that I've shot for, but, uh, mostly pop break. So you'll see some, some fun stuff. Uh, but yeah, so going into this final segment, I wanted to skip music because we've been running out of time, but I'm going to end, um, we are going to end this season of socially distance with a little holiday cheer. Uh, we have asked uh, some of our friends from the com and uh, potentially other people uh, just for, that we've been friends with uh, just to give us like some holiday movie recommendations. People still watch uh, holiday movies around this week. Um, so uh, we're going to end it with that. Uh, but I want to say, as, uh, as Bill already mentioned, uh, a special thanks to Lucas Jones, our fearless editor, who uh, not only edits all these podcasts, he edits all the Pop Break podcasts. He's about to edit this fun uh, little thing at the end, uh, hopefully with a little Christmas music uh, in the background, linking all of these uh, uh, little uh, you know recommendations together. So we will leave you guys with that. Thank you again for listening to the Socially Distance Podcast. If you already, ha- if you haven't already, rate. Review, subscribe, tell your friends. We'd love to hear uh, what you guys thought about this season, what you want to see in season two. So hit us up uh, at popbreak.com, all spelled out on Twitter. Thank you, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And we will see you in a better year, hopefully 2021. Take care. Hey, everybody. It's Aaron telling you to watch Jingle All the Way, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger in Sinbad. Uh, There's also a really great performance by Phil Hartman in it. Rest in peace. He really uh, steals the show. Speaking of shows, there's also Big Show. If you're a wrestling fan, he makes an appearance. Um, One of our former writers, Matthew Kelly, uh, did a really great video on it. Uh, You can find it on his YouTube page, uh, Nando V Movies. Yeah, I just, I unironically love it. I know it's not a really beloved movie, but... uh, it's the kind of silliest we really need right now. While I'm tempted to go with the always controversial Die Hard answer here, it's like a one-year membership in the Jelly of the Month Club and that it's a film that keeps on giving the whole year round. Instead, I'm going to go with a movie that's tied entirely to the Christmas season, one that's as full of laughter as the shitter of an RV. Obviously, I'm talking about the 1989 classic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where we get to watch plans for a good old-fashioned Griswold family Christmas go horribly awry with each turn of the advent calendar. Every Chevy Chase and Randy Quaid exchange is something quotable. Let's just say if I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than it would be to find out that someone doesn't enjoy this one. This is Kat, um, the music editor of thepopbreak.com. I have two quick Christmas movie recommendations, and they're very different because everybody celebrates Christmas in a different way. First is uh, Jillian Armstrong's Little Women from 1994. It's incredible. It's perfect. It's so warm and cozy like every Christmas movie should be. Um, has one of the best soundtracks of all time. Don't miss it. Number two is Shane Black's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Pretty much represents everything great about celebrating Christmas in Los Angeles and just is full of so much joy and Robert Downey Jr. and what else could you ask for on Christmas? Those are my recommendations. 
Hey guys, this is Logan James calling in to uh, give my favorite Christmas movie recommendation. Uh, my favorite Christmas movie is The Muppet Christmas Carol. It's a movie I watch every Christmas. I love it dearly. It's um, got a lot of heart. It's got the Muppets, which is a bonus. And uh, it's just, it's a great time. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite Christmas movie. I can't wait to watch it with my son Miles this year. And uh, I wish you guys a very Merry Christmas, a happy and safe holiday, and have a great 2021. Hey guys, um, so this is Taylor Allen, uh, a uh, guest of the show in the past, talking about Mando. Um, my favorite Christmas movie is Scrooged, because it is the best Christmas movie with uh, Bill Murray. Um, there's no other movie better. There's a moment in that movie where Bill Murray falls down, and it is right after he leaves the restaurant, after seeing the eyeball in his cocktail, um, there's no, no better moment, maybe in any movie, but it, certainly in a Christmas movie than that. Um, you can go check the tapes. Uh, it's perfect. So that makes Scrooge, for me, the best Christmas movie, uh, along with the rest of it. Um, Happy Feelings, Bill Murray, uh, Bobcat, uh, Goldthwait, um, the, whole, the entire thing I love. So uh, it, that's it for me. And... Um, I think I think I've talked way too much and uh, enjoy your Christmas. Merry Christmas and happy New Year and happy holidays. This is Nick Bercaro recommending the Muppet Christmas Carol, the best Christmas movie of all time. There's magic in the air this evening, magic in the air. The world is at her best, you know, when people love and care. The promise of excitement is the one the night will keep. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. Seriously, watch it. Michael Caine's the best.